Hello, this is Alex Saviuk for 11 O'Clock Comics, and that Saviuk rhymes with book. Sparkling. Like, like the water I'm drinking. I gotta do, I'll do four before I come upstairs next week. And this way, when I sit down, I'll be good to go. You're not wasting anybody's time. <laughs> no? You no, know, you can do what you gotta do. But, I mean, I don't think that's necessary. If, if we were live and in concert, it would be a oh. problem. But since we're not... It'd be like a monkey's concert. Everybody have a good laugh about it and whatnot. Yeah. Peter's voice is changing. Right. Yeah. I pity people who don't like the monkeys. I really do. It's like, you know, you don't let the joy in your life. I, I, I have to, <laughs> I, I'm in love and cursing our boy Ray at the same time. Why? Because now, and I told him this, and, and I think this may have been part of the reason why he did this, but, um, now I honest to God need a turntable in this house because my man <laughs> sent me, it's right behind me. Monkeys live. The Mike and Mickey show, double LP, it's right behind me. You get a good turntable for two fifty. It's not going to break you. Go get one. No, it's not going to break me. I just, I don't, I, yeah. I mean, he's, he's. I asked him for you know any any um, input he's got, and and I'm waiting for him to get back to me. But any any you know any info you want to throw at me, I'll... I could just detail my setup. You know, I, I don't know that it's a techniques. Audio no, it's an audio technic. I don't know the, the the number, but I'm well aware of the number of this episode. Oh, what is it? It's eleven o'clock comics, episode seven hundred and four. Book of the month. Woo-woo. And I'm Vince B. Yes. Yes, you are Vince B. I am David A. Price. I may or may not agree with you, but I am powering. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, well, at least he's not Johnny Quick. You're not Power Ring. You're Jason Wood, everybody. And we are all here together for what reason? It's the Book of the Month episode. The uh, Well, we didn't really have anyone vote on this other than the three of us. It was an impromptu, spur-of-the-moment type deal. We're like, hey, why don't we make this the Book of the Month? And so we did. It's Earth 2 by Grant Morrison, Frank Quitely, and Laura Martin. It's an awesome little book, but we'll get into it. Uh, but not before you need to grab a pencil and a paper and write these down, because this is the very last time you're going to hear these specials from our Overlords Discount Comic Book Service. DCBService.com has the books you want at the prices you are more than willing to pay, such as from Marvel. It's the Defenders Omnibus Hardcover Volume 1. Two different flavors of cover. You can get um, a Neil Adams cover or you can get a Gil Kane cover. Both are awesome. Uh, you know, pick the one that pierces your heart the closest. Uh, this book contains Submariner 34 and 35, Marvel Feature. 1, 2, and 3, Defenders 1 to 19, Giant Size Defenders 1 and 2, Avengers 115 and 116 to 118. It's a honking tome. It's massive. And the cover price is $100, which is crazy, right? 
for all those books, you pay more than $100 if you wanted to go back issue diving for all that stuff. But not so crazy because you're going to pay 50 bucks. That's half price. And I'm wondering why omnibus have dust jackets. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But anyway, uh, from DC, you got Manhunter by Archie Goodwin and Walter Simonson. The hardcover. This contains the backup stories from Detective 437 to 443 and the silent epilogue that was published in 1999 in that Manhunter Special Edition. I can't speak. Uh, it's a hardcover, like I said, $17.99 cover price, which is, wow, I would pay that willingly. I would pay $17.99 for this, but I don't have to because I'm smart and know where to go where the prices are super low. $8.99 at dcbservice.com. And, well, now this is in a gray area because this book may or may not happen because uh, Warrant are currently getting sued by the copyright holders for all the old Warren stuff. Oh, shit. Yes. So uh, the Vampiris Camilla uh, magazine may or may not happen. But if it does, we are going to get some awesome art uh, and story in the old Warren Vampirella tradition uh, with a beautiful Ken Kelly cover. Five ninety five cover price. Nope. You're going to pay $3.57. That's 40% off. Cross your fingers or your talons or whatever. Uh, DCBService.com does not mind late orders or order additions, and you get your books shipped right to your very front door. Just nudge the dogs to the side, reach out, and some man or woman will hand you your comics. It's better than, well, it's better than sex. It really is. And it's far easier. DCBService.com. Nice. Thanks. You tit. <laughs> I gotta say, if depending on when we wrap this up, I may crack open the previews and start looking through it. I think it's going to be a very, very, very big month. I've, I've got it right there. I don't. I mean, not judging by the covers, but um, of of the previous catalog. But the uh, yeah, I didn't look. I didn't flip through the main one proper. The DC one's pretty easy because aside from like. Sweet Tooth, it's pretty much just going to be Future State. I, I didn't, I looked at the hardcovers briefly. Um, doesn't look like I need anything right this minute. So DC order's pretty much done, and I didn't look through the Marvel or the main catalog yet. Wow. But it's right here. Yeah. Um, well, the, I was blindsided by Barry Windsor Smith's Monsters, which I did not okay. expect this month. So that's 40 bucks before discount. That's a must-buy. Yeah, uh, yep. And um, then you got a Cull Omnibus at Marvel. You got a uh, Swamp Thing Omnibus at DC. Uh, Immortal Hulk Volume 3. Like, there's a, just a, t- a ton of books. A trove. That I want, yeah. Yeah, plus all the future state on top of it. Yeah. Oh. Who's, the, um, who's the BWS book published by? Fantagraphics. Nice, Okay. Yeah, well, they published. Did, uh, is there the, a DCBS bundle for all the future state? Don't know yet. Don't know yet. We're hoping. Oh, because it's not posted, right? Yeah, yeah. we're hoping. Um, if they do a bundle and it is fifty percent off, it's going to cost you about sixty-eight bucks. 
in mm-hmm. that in that zone to get everything because um, I was looking at some of them are three ninety nine, but then you have some that are five ninety nine, some are seven ninety nine, nine that like what the the prices are all over the place because they're they're anthologies and some of them are obviously higher page count than others. Um, I'm excited, but I gotta say I'm not crazy about the trade dress. I think oh, really no, I think that this the the new logos and the super. Uh, and the, and the fifth ink they got going on some of them with that that shocking pink color and or great like it's nah, I don't I don't like the covers so if I like the the art on the covers is fine it's that trade dress that I'm not really crazy about it, it, what, are we going see for when you open the book are we going for cyberpunk on future state is that what the deal is because that's what the trade dress looks like to me cyberpunk mm. just saying well I so okay, you're not feeling the trade dress, but are you fit? Are you feeling what you're drinking? Yes, I'm drinking <laughs> sparkling water. Ooh, going hardcore. All right, Jason. Yeah. Right? It's blueberry. Yeah. It's oh, blueberry. Jason, Why you okay. don't like the blueberry? No, I actually do. I've never had blueberry seltzer. Though. I didn't know they even made it. It's blueberry and that uh, acai. Yeah, yeah. My the word that my son corrects me on every time I use it. Acai. Acai, yeah. Acai. Yeah, oh, okay. I don't say it like that. But that's maybe that's right. why he corrects me. But that's mm-hmm. in there too, so. Yeah, I've, I've seen the, uh, usually the, um, the Jizzy or whoever, not the White Claw, but the other brand. I think I've, I've seen them do that, uh, that bundle. Mm-hmm. How about that? All right. Um, well, let Dap go last because he always has the most interesting thing to talk about. Um, I am drinking from Heather Allen. The McMinnville Harvest Lager. It's a German-style Pilsner from uh, Heather Allen Brewery in McMinnville, Oregon. Sweet. Huh. Yeah. Very nice. Shout out to Tabor. Yeah. Not a sponsor yet, but okay. I know. We got to get them to be a sponsor. That'd be litty. <laughs> Seriously. Um, we'd all be 300 pounds, too. True. Well, no, then we'd have to get the Peloton. Yeah, good luck. Yeah, oh, they could be a sponsor. That'd be great. <laughs> that would be great. Uh, I'll just go My outside. My credit cards did a partnership uh, with them, so I get 120 bucks back now. All right. Pretty cool. That you, is. You got roads where you live? Uh, no. Where he goes, they don't need roads. You go outside and run, you know? Then run. You can just run. The knees. Those, I mean, I'm those. all for running, too, but they're completely different types of workouts. Oh, yeah. yes, get they those, are. Those, yeah. Those heels dug in. Yes, they are. Uh, this is um, this is the Bib and Tucker uh, aged six years bourbon that uh, that I have had a couple times. I'm I'm working my way through the bottle because I bought something yesterday that I am that that that's New York State represent. I am dying to crack open, um, but I don't like having so many bottles. Started. I don't have any so many bottles open. It's nice if I had a liquor cabinet and they were all on display or something. That'd be one thing, but you know they're all kind of after they're open, they're shoved into the corner of the pantry and only go to them when we want something. So I don't. I don't want to have like eight bottles of bourbon open. So I kind of just wait to go through things. But yeah, so that's that's it. And then when I'm done with this, um, I have uh, I have some I have some seltzer next to me ready to go. Nice. And I do have I I have the page earmarked already, Vince, uh, for, for monsters. So that that, that and fans is usually what thirty five percent off. 
Yeah. Okay. Um, 30, 35. Yeah. I mean, a $40 hardcover alone isn't, isn't too bad. So the discount would be nice. I'm getting real, uh, choosy with, uh, the things that I add to my list anymore. Uh, if I don't immediately want to read it, um, chances are very good that I'm not going to add it to my list because uh, I did a little bit of uh, wandering the past couple of months and I just, a bunch of different publishers, uh, some uh, all all ages books and, and some fringe graphic novels that I thought looked um, attractive or interesting to me. And when the boxes are coming, I'm like, oh, this is cool. I'll read this. Not now, uh, maybe in a little while. So I'll put it on the shelf and I'm I'm not doing that anymore because then I'll never get around to reading it, you know? Hmm. Especially, I mean, if we're getting the Defenders Omnibus and we're getting the, you know, we got the Captain America Omnibus coming in. Like, I I don't know, maybe I'm silly, but I would much rather read a big chunk of Jack Kirby than, um, you know, an an all-ages book. That's just how I'm wired, right? So uh, I'm not going to be as, uh, what's the word, Um, eager to yeah. throw money at publishers that were untested or untried and uh, just, just you know, on a whim, just get a 400-page book just for the hell of it. Like, okay, that's awesome, but chances are really good. I'm not going to read it till 2021, so. I'll, uh, I'll, make, I'll make up for it. For I'm sure you time. will. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because uh, I'm just the opposite. When my, when my, my box comes, the books that are from other publishers or right at the top. I'm like, Oh, I got to read this right now. I mean, yeah, I, I, am reading one now. I think it's great. Dungeon critters. Uh, but for, for whatever reason I did, there was other books in there that I read first. And it's like, don't you think that, that the excitement level should be a constant across the board? Um, like if you if you're pulling your books out and you're like, oh, this is great, this is awesome, this is wonderful. Ah, uh, uh, what's this? Hmm. Oh, definitely. You yeah, know, like you, I, I want them all to be on a certain level. That's what we. I mean, a hundred percent. We should all be buying and or reading whatever gets us excited in the moment, right? Like absolutely, right. right. But and with the three month window of ordering yeah. through Diamond, um, you have periods where you will the returns will diminish. Because yeah. the the mindset you were in three months or four months ago is not the mindset you're in now. So, hundred percent. Yeah. So, I mean, that's nature that's of the beast, the monthly, right? But I mean, looking at the omnibuses like that, the 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 December's the, the the defenders probably isn't hitting us until February or March of next year. So we're not February. Yeah. yeah Very so, true. But we, so, I'm sure we have things backloaded already. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we got stuff coming every every month. And yeah. I, I'm on the opposite side of the trade just because for me, I've come to the conclusion that uh, there's so many big two books that I buy that I that I let stack up for a few months. And then I'm really dumb because like we talked about a few weeks ago, like in, in short in a short period of time, my DC and Marvel Unlimited subscriptions will give those me those books. It'll be like I wasted money on buying them because I'll be able to read them there. Right. So, I, I mean, for me, it's just the opposite. Like. It's got to be Marvel and DC. It's got to be a collected edition that I know I'm. I'm just. I'm. I'm fervently either already read the singles and just want the collection on my shelf, or I knew. I just know it's going to be good. Like so. I like I because I just I can. I feel like the Marvel and DC are not only going to be there, but like I know where to find them. Like if I buy something from first second that's solicited now, 
it may have a super low print run and never be available again, or I may forget about it. So it's there. Whereas, you know, if I don't read, like take, like take Legion, I've, I've bought 10 issues of Legion now. I haven't read one of them. Now I'm not saying I'm not looking forward to reading them, but I haven't yet. So now, I mean, now I feel dumb because I could read all of Legion online, like in, in, on the app. Right. So, right. You know, but, but yeah, but I know you're not much reading on reading, reading digital comics. So no, not at all. But, um, future state aside, I think the singles I buy are much more conducive to what we do here because if I can read three, four singles and have a lot to talk about for maybe two episodes uh, and yet I read a one 400-page graphic novel, like that's only going to give me maybe 20 minutes on one episode. Like I, I'm thinking about what I can read to fuel discussion on our, our show here. Um, you don't think you read enough that that's never a problem? Like, I feel like, like with very rare exception, do I ever feel like there aren't a backlog of things that I can happily talk about? Um, yeah, kinda, because I'm, like I said, I'm stuck in New 52. I'm reading the stuff that I passed over a, a right. while ago. And I'm not going to come on the show every week and say, well, this week's New 52 spotlight. Like, that's just boring. I don't want to do that. So, but I am enjoying the New 52. Like, I'm, I'm, will be reading the the entirety of Snyder Capullo's Batman. Like, I, I only read the first trade back in the day. And I hear mm-hmm. all this stuff, like, it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. And like, okay, prove it to me. So now I have that loaded. Um, I just finished... Yeah. Diminishing Returns. I, I think I think it's very good up until the last arc is not good. But, but I I've, think it, I've heard that. I've heard yeah, that. Yeah, it starts yeah. great with the Court of Owls, and then I think it's pretty good for a lot of it. And then when, when Gordon becomes the Bat-Cyborg... Uh, yeah, Donnie Darko. It lost me. Yeah. Um, well, again, uh, the one one of the uh, one of the reasons I'm reading it is because of the ties to death metal and and metal. It's great, right? Uh, but Greg Capullo, whatever. Uh, I'm reading Aquaman. Jeff Johns is Aquaman. Like I never thought I'd be reading that, but they're cheap and they're plentiful, so I'm reading it, right? Um, Batman and, and Robin by Tomasi and Gleason. Holy shit. Each one of those is a visual treat. Like Gleason, I know David loves Gleason, as do I, but y'all need to be picking up on Patrick Gleason because <laughs> the, the man is a freaking, I mean, we, we know, we, you know what? Super How Sons. How does that compare to the Batman and Robin by, uh, by Morrison and, uh, and, um, quietly. No, oh, Burnham, yeah. Burnham, Burnham, Burnham. Yeah. Uh, well, is- yeah, it's kind of the same thing, really. Okay. I mean, it's of course the the Morrison one's wilder. The 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 Tomasi one focused more on Damien and his his mom and the whole baggage that comes along with being, you know, uh, daughter of the son of the daughter of the demon, right? So, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's. But I, the majority of the reason why I'm enjoying it so much is friggin' Patrick Gleason. Like I don't love Damien, but at the hands of Gleason, oh shit! I'll read about uh, you know a toaster. Trying to get Gleason on the show. I don't think he's ever done an interview that I've heard. I would oh, love to do that. Unfortunately, he's great. Uh, I would have to um, read his Marvel work, and that's right now Amazing Spider-Man with Spencer writing. So, oh, is he doing ASM right now? Yeah. Gleason's doing Spider Man. Well, first of all, he let me left. Say, he left. He, he left Young Justice like shortly, like by the third issue. And next thing you know, he was doing the cover for Marvel Comics One Thousand, and he had signed with Marvel. 
Well, well dude, all, you know, real talk. If I'm working on Young Justice and somebody wants me to draw Spider Man, yeah. see ya. Oh, absolutely. No, yeah. no, 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 no doubt. Um, no, what I was going to say is, first of all, you're a true professional, so I have no doubt you could make it happen. But second of all, Patrick Gleason, like, if we had him on, again, he I don't think he's done many, if any, interviews. So, d- dude's got a lengthy career. We don't, I mean, what do we right. spend two you're minutes right. on, on Spider Man? I mean, right? Like, I mean, it does, it's not like we have to. It's not like he's coming on. He would be coming on solely yeah. to right. Right. Pimp, right. Uh, right. I could talk with Batman, Robin. I, could, you know, we we got. I started the Young Justice. We got the fucking Super Sons, and his, his yeah. Family. Honestly, don't know much about him. Like, I don't know much about like his history, or I don't like. All right, we'll hit him up. We'll hit him up through IG or something. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm sure he's listening, Pat. It's time Dude. to come on. Uh, I mean, I would be supplicating myself in front of him because he is a giant. He's a master. I, I again, I don't have a super strong love for the bat universe but the batman and robin is very compelling at, uh, on at his, uh, it, i i i'm my jaws on the floor right now <laughs> why wait what you don't have a super strong love for the bat universe not no i would own you owned decades of batman and then sold them to campbell and then i right? said many times since you regret selling them not the batman i never said that Okay, no, I thought you did. No, I, I, I but, regret but selling decades of that. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, if you get, if I'm going to the DC universe, I'm stopping at Metropolis first. Once I'm ex- oh, okay. once I've exhausted I, I, my time there, then maybe I'll take a peek at Gotham. I got you. I yeah, got you. I who doesn't love Batman, right? But I'm just saying, it's not a strong. Um, you, uh, David can say it better than I can. We love Superman. That's the part of the DC universe we love. Why be repetitive and say it again? But we don't mind Batman. I'm putting words in his mouth. He's my puppet. He's my gummy pooping. Um, I'll throw something out there, and this is not planned. And you guys know, I mean, I'm not really, I wouldn't consider myself a Batman or a Superman guy, but certainly if I had to pick, I'd I'd be a Batman guy, I guess. I don't know, though. I mean, but, but, but I'll throw this out there, and it's somewhat born into the book of the month conversation that we're about to have. Perfect. I, I think. Lex Luthor is a infinitely more interesting character than the Joker. I disagree. <laughs> I knew you would. <laughs> yeah. Um, there have been and can be so many more interesting spins on Luthor as a person than we have seen of the Joker personally. But he says he says right after the three Jokers concluded yesterday, which, I mean, that's just amusing because of what John's oh, trying no, to do I, with I, the I'm character. I'm saying because of that, because I just read Earth 2 and then I was reminded of what it actually is like to tell an alternate version of a character that's cool. The, and that's, and, and I was like, like you, because you said versions of, of Luther, um, because when I was I was going to ask you which is your which is the version of, of Luther? You, which is your version of Luther? Like the, the the Superman story, the Justice, any stories you've read? Which oh, they all are. I mean, that's the thing. I think I'm talking about the totality of the characters and their lore, right? Like, like I, I find the the variations on Luther to be more engaging, personally speaking, than I do the Joker. And and flip side, I find the variations of Batman I've read to be infinitely more interesting than Superman. But that all said, Morrison and Quitely's absolute superman is is uh i mean all-star superman is is uh is my favorite of either character so i mean you know at the end of the day if i only had one bat or soup book to read for the rest of my life it would be that so the the, and this is 
apropos to nothing, I needed to be, I, I, I wanted, before I went to sleep this week, I wanted, the past couple nights, I wanted to just kind of watch something, go to sleep to something that would just take me out of the current world and and, and just whatever, just, just not be bothered with any of the bullshit going on in the world right now. And thanks to HBO Max, I started watching uh, Superman the movie, and and now I'm partway through Superman two. And I wanted to watch Superman two, but I figured, fuck it, let me just start from the beginning. And listen, they are not flawless movies at all, but it just it reinforced the fact that Christopher Reeve is the version that that's part of the reason why I, I am a Superman fan. I mean, yes, thanks to Burn as well, but. Christopher Reeve, seeing him in the suit, seeing him, I mean, just, just his transformation between Clark Kent and, and Superman just by standing upright and broad, I mean, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing to law to, to, to watch, to look at. And, and, and there's just something about the character. And what's weird is I'm watching Superman too. And there's, there's a conversation Perry and Clark is having in Perry's office and Perry has a framed photo of Bill Cosby on the wall. No idea why <laughs> it's a serious looking photo. It's not like it's from one of his comedy <laughs> albums, like to Russell with love. It's just, it's, it's, it's it. It's not even a publicity shot. It's just, it's 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 so odd. And I'm wondering, maybe I missed it at the time. But I mean, maybe they were trying to get Cosby to play the Richard Pryor part. I don't know. I don't know. It's all assumptions. But but it was just it was super weird. I'm watching it. And I'm like, why the fuck's my makeup Bill Cosby on the wall? But in any event, um, yeah, I it did just going back to what Vince said. Yeah, we love Superman, and and part of that is because of. Um, what Richard Donner and Mario Puzo did with the first movie. But yeah, there's just something. And, and I mean, and again, it's so silly seeing Luther. I mean, Gene Hackman made a great Luther and, 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 you know, okay. The, the big bad is, is a real estate deal, but it's, it's just a, um, it's, it's silly, but, but to see, and this, this was something else. Whereas as I'm watching, um, we, we don't get a lot of scenes in the first movie with, with Jonathan Kent and and clark and the only time we really have some serious a serious conversation between the two of them clark kind of shows off because he runs home from school and he and he's talking to his father and 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 he's telling him you know i can i could with, with all these powers i have i could do so much and i you know it basically would just be showing off but you know jonathan's like you're I, you're here for a reason and and it's not to just you know score touchdowns and um and and they have a real father son moment, and then you know, Clark's like, "Let's run to the barn. I'll race you," and and Jonathan starts to trot behind him, and then he has a heart attack. And and seeing the relationship between these two, and I'm not I'm, I'm not going to bring up the whole you know Kevin Costner's version from from Snyder's movie, but it, it's that's part of what makes Clark who he is, who makes Superman who he is, is because of the up and 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 just thinking about just. They took some of the ideas from from the original story in, in the 30s and and just seeing this movie from like the late 70s and and still it's kind of a timeless story. There's just something about that character and and it just hit me at the right time, whatever age I was and and it just it it left its market imprinted and and I just I can't say it it's Superman. It's just it it's a it could be a cheesy movie and then the second one. What the fuck? Like Zod's got the power of telekinesis. I don't know what the fuck power set these people have. It's just it's crazy, and there are definitely some some plot inconsistencies. But it's still it's I'm watching it for Christopher Reeve. It's 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 
the sight to behold is basically what I'm saying. I can't sign. I can't co-sign any of that. I believe it. I no. believe it. I don't love Superman because of the movies. No. Oh sure, no, no, no. I know. Yeah. I'm, I'm not. And, I mean, I, I think Christopher Reeve was the best Superman ever, but he's not why I like Superman I in comics. John Burns. I wouldn't have thought so. No, John Burns. Yeah, yeah. And Jurgens and Ordway. Well, right, because right yeah. after, after the foundation of Burn, but absolutely, yeah, the the, yeah. the triangle definitely. It, if if, I, if it was just if yeah. it was just the. Uh, if it was just the movie, would I be as strong? I mean, I'd, I'd still be fond of the character, but, you know, he would still be the DC Comics character who could, you know, move the moon by pushing it. It's, it wasn't until John Byrne comes along and, and does what he does to it that really, yeah. you know, hammered it home. Yep, it's true. But I, no, I don't mind Lex. But I don't find him as nearly as compelling as the Joker. I like Lex best when he's good, as he is in JLA Earth 2, or when he's feigning goodness, as he was when he was his, quote, red-haired son from Australia. Like, but that's, yeah, but that's all part of it, though. That's, but that's the, my point. Like, it is. But all the, part of the lore. Right, but the straight-out bad Luthor really doesn't do too much for me. I would rather, like I'm reading the... Uh, um, Snyder Justice League run, and I would much rather read about Sinestro or uh, you know um, Zod or something, or or uh, uh, another one of the uh, the arch uh, enemies. Like Luther, to me, is like he's an annoyance. If mm, if, if Superman I, wanted I to, say, he could crush him like a bug. Right. I was going to say I will say that uh, this again is kind of like a discussion where when I say. I much or I don't. I want to say I prefer Lex to, to Joker. I I say that within the context of it would be asinine for anyone in our position to not acknowledge that they're both two of the best, if not the best, villains. Right? It's certainly on the DC side, like they're they're classic. I mean, they are both classic villains and 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 stand the test of time. Uh, the thing I will say that I love uh, about like DC that Marvel has never quite been the same at doing is. The the rogues galleries, particularly their arch nemesis, are like so well paired as the yang to the to the hero's yin, right? Like in both, and and those these two being the most obvious because uh, they're the top, at the top of the heap. But like you know, Luthor is a man who has relied, and I understand that there's other there's been times when that's not the case. But generally speaking, he is a man who succeeds on the fact that he is uh, his mind, and he's a human, right? He's not powered. And it's just his intelligence and his reason, whereas, you know, Superman is the godlike in his strength and, and power. And it's all about him being able to show restraint by acting human um, to offset those powers. But L- Luthor is, is all he has is his human brain. And it's just it's good enough to, to be Superman's greatest challenger. And the same thing with Joker. You know, the Batman, for all of his 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 internal struggles and, and, and reasons why he should be on a psychiatrist's couch, you know, he is above all else about logic and and process and the joker is an anarchist and crazy and unpredictable and like those are those are so simple in their concepts but like that's a that's the way you create an arch nemesis right like you make them you make them the foil to what the the hero is and that's often not done in in the like as well as it should be done i think so um i mean they're both all timers but i'm just saying like r- lately i've been thinking and, and honestly i think the three jokers had something to do with it for me um the I, I again no disrespect but but the whole like the death metal like I, I just 
for me, I just I'm I'm and then I read something like this and I'm like, man, I, I really do think I enjoy stories featuring a well written Luther more than I enjoy stories featuring a well written Joker. Like my favorite Batman stories are like my favorite runs are when we don't have the Joker. It's like give the Joker a rest, tell me cool Batman stories about the Joker. Whereas I'm always down for a good Superman Lex. Like I like I don't want to see Robozar. I don't want to see fucking you know I like give me like I want to see soups hell out of your parasite. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I'm more inclined to be okay, and, and admittedly, I'm not the one that's reading this all the time. So, if I'm picking up a Superman arc, like, I'm cool. You want to give me Luthor? Like, I'm I'm down for it. But Batman, like, it's Salt Peter. If if I'm reading a good run of Batman, and then all of a sudden the Joker's back in, I'm like, ah, I'm like, God, did we just see the Joker? Like, I mean, how many times can we see the Joker? And it's just a personal thing. Like, I'm not saying. Again, I admit, I don't want anyone to hear me and think I'm saying the Joker sucks. Like the Joker is an incredible all-time villain. Of course he is. I'm just saying that that it seems like for me, when I pull up my mental Rolodex, I seemingly get more get more excited about the idea of reading a Superman versus Luther story. The I, I definitely see where you're coming from with that. It, it's um, there are as I'm thinking about it. Um, I know that there there are there are versions of I I for me Lex is very much cut from the same cloth. He and Doctor Doom are very similar in the sense that they're they're basically the heroes in their story. They 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 think they've their word is is above all else, and and that's you know it, Luther doesn't really I think consider himself. He thinks he's above the law, and he thinks you know it, he's entitled, but he doesn't. Um, I, I I don't necessarily view Luther as 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 someone who. I mean, yeah, you have the Legion of Doom. He obviously surrounds himself with bad guys, but I never really considered Lex to be um, to see himself. I, I, which again goes back to Byrne with the whole partly the politician, but mostly the businessman, and and you know not just a very smart person and and somebody who just figured he was entitled to all the good things coming his way until superman shows up and 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 fucks that up whereas joker's obviously insane he's obviously just he he cares about chaos more than anything else he doesn't it's it's all about mayhem and he's not trying to build a better world like lex could be trying to do he wants to make life better i mean they'll have to pay for it but he definitely wants um he wants to be the savior and if that you know doesn't matter who he crushes but as long as the end game is is you know people look up to me because i saved them then great joe doesn't give a shit about any of that doom wants to be i don't know i don't want to say doom wants to be loved by his people but but doom is you know it, it's his word is law obviously where he's from and and uh but he doesn't he doesn't. Cons- I, I don't think Doom considers himself a villain. It, it's it's just the way there there there's doors told and how it's said in his head. But it's they absolutely are. Yeah, I think I can appreciate um, good Joker stories. Good Joker stories. Yes, it it, it can be played out. Um, with with Luther, it's it, it can be tricky at times for me because I don't. I still don't know if I've if I've ever really bought the whole power suit exoskeleton Luther. Very very much the version that, that that's in JLA Earth 2, but um the bad 
guy version going up against Superman all the time. I don't know if I ever really bought that version of Lex. I don't know why. No, that's why I like Burns' version of Luthor, because he was just a really intelligent, cunning businessman. Yeah. The, the whole mad scientist, you know... Uh, burn off my hair. They got a lot of mileage out of that, which is wonderful, but I think Byrne took a look at that and said, you know what, Luthor's basically Dr. Doom. He can he can make all these gadgets and try and beat Superman, and he never did. Let's try something else. Let's make him just a human being who's incredibly smart, very deviously cunning, um, and let's see if he can give Superman a run for his money. And he did. And then they just shifted it back to the old super scientist, uh, Lex Luthor, over the years. And I just don't, I don't think that's all that interesting. I don't know. Your mileage may vary, but... Um, I like Lex when he's a snake in the grass. You don't know he's there. Yeah. Or he's smiling at you on the one hand. Right. And coiling. He's got the knife ready. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And coiling his, <laughs> his tail around your leg, you know, un, unknown to you. So, yeah, I think it's. it's uh, but Jason mentioned that uh, Lex Luthor's Superman's arch nemesis. Get the hell out of here. We all know who Superman's arch nemesis is. <laughs> and it, oh my God. And it ain't Lex Luthor. <laughs> okay. No, okay. Captain okay. Mungo. Doomsday. Okay. Doomsday. Doomsday. Yep. Kite Man is Batman's arch nemesis. There you go. It's not even close. Uh, so, yes, we have read for this episode JLA Earth 2 by Grant Morrison, uh, the, the Colossus of Frank Quitely and Laura Martin on color. It was published uh, as a one-shot, correct? I, I swore that this thing was released in in two chapters. Yeah, it was. It was a one-shot. A one-shot. But it, it's cool that this 20th anniversary, by the way, this. Yes, this was basically Morrison's uh, parting of the ways with DC because after this, he went to Marvel and did the X Men work. As we say, Marvel boy. But yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, Marvel Boy came first, yeah. But then the long, long run on yeah. on uh, the X uh, universe and then eventually went back to DC, but worked on JLA at DC, then he, you know, among other things, and he did this. And then it's like, okay, I think I've said what I wanted to say for right now. Let's go see what's happening on the other side of the fence. And uh, again, depending on... on your opinion of the man's work, I think he pretty much revolutionized the X-Men on a par with what um, Hickman is doing now. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So, uh, to, as we always do, um, did, did what was your first experience with this? Did you read it off the shelf, Vince? Oh, yeah. Bought it. Yeah. But th- th- there's a, a very strange cycle that Earth 2 seems to be caught in with me. Like, I bought it off the shelf, then mm-hmm. got rid of it and sold it. Then I bought another version of it and got rid of it then you know the trade well trade paperback or whatever but in this last version is the one that i read for this episode was the one with the dvd and the blu-ray in it because you know it has the animated thing with it oh right yeah yeah uh but i don't i don't know but i'm keeping this one i'm not getting rid of it but for <laughs> for some reason jl earth 2 just doesn't seem to stick on my shelves for very long i don't know why mm-hmm. Um, they should have subtitled the book, Let's Look at Superwoman and Wonder Woman's Ass, yeah. because uh-huh. because their tuchuses show up a lot 
in the book. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's not a Lexus Johnson. Yeah, not a bad thing, but yeah. And what about you, Dap? Uh, I read it when it came out. If not off the shelf shortly after, because I it was. I've had it for years. Yeah, I've had it. I must have had it for close to twenty years. Um, it's uh, it's it was. I'm pretty sure I remember the shop I bought it in. But yeah, it's um, it wasn't something I had pre-ordered. I saw it, grabbed it, and uh, because for me, not to go down another tangent, Earth Two. This 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 was weird to me. I mean, I love the cover because I loved the contrast between the good and the bad on the cover. Um, but it took me a second because this was this was as I was coming back into comics, and for me, the Crime Syndicate was never Earth Two. Crime Syndicate was Earth Three because Earth Two was the Golden Age heroes, pre-Crisis, and and it it's um, from what I think, this was kind of like a reintroduction of the Crime Syndicate to at this time the modern day DC. Like I don't I don't think the Crime Syndicate was used all that often before this after crisis and um so it keeps it, it always even still to this day i see the cover and and i think of her it's, it's like when you see the word orange but it's written in green so you're not sure what the, and 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 it's just it's one of those things where it's like i see earth too it's on the cover and these are the villains but these are the villains from when i started reading them thanks to the JL, Justice League of America, Justice Society of America annual crossovers. This is these guys are from Earth three, so it's just it's 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 still weird in my head. But um, but yeah, it, it, to answer that question, I I read it pretty much right after it came out. Okay. Well, they're not from Earth two either. They are. They no, are. They're See, not. We're gonna get in, yes, they are. We're going to get into this because Lex Lex says because Lex obviously thinks Lex his Lex's Earth is the primary Earth. Lex thinks that that's his Earth is first. All the other Earths are different versions. So he's going to think the Earth that the Justice League is from is a second Earth. He's not going to look at the Justice League's Earth and say, "Oh, you guys are the prime Earth. We must be from Earth too." Lex says to them. To the Justice League, your Earth too, right? Because from and from his part, from his perspective, Justice League of America, our Earth would be Earth. If you look up any information on Earth two, they say that the Crime Syndicate's Earth is the antimatter Earth, and right. the, the the Earth that the Justice or the JLA is from is Earth two, and DC abandoned that. Not long after this came out, once once they did the once the new wave of crises came, they abandoned all that. Once the multiverse came back, they were like, "Oh shit, this is this Earth too. We can't use this anymore. We have to come up with new designations for all these planets." But the Earth that our JLA is from is Earth too. They it's even it's mentioned multiple times in the book. Yeah, from well, Lex's perspective. Oh, go ahead. Hmm. Yeah, no, I, no, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, the book is called Earth Two, though, right? So, yes, right, but, right. But I mean, knowing um, knowing Morrison, it would it wouldn't surprise me if the inverse were true. Mm-hmm. But I'm I think uh, ultimately, the point is moot because it's not a, a, a an appellation that's used anymore. It's it's redundant. It's gone. No, that's fair. Yeah, I um, I read this, and I know I remember distinctly. Um, I read this in 2013, and how do I remember that? Because I hadn't read this off the shelves. As you all know, I wasn't really much of a DC guy back then. 
then we had started the show, and I absolutely loved All-Star Superman with a passion. And then I think to capitalize with, with the mm. popularity of All-Star Superman, DC put out a deluxe hardcover version of this in 2013, which I ordered from our fine sponsors and read because I was just all about the Morrison quietly uh, pairing at the time. So, right. yeah, so I, I read this seven years ago for the first time. Well, Dap mentioned the cover. And the cover is very striking. Um, conceptually, it's very solid. Uh, graphically, it's beautiful. You have the the crime syndicate and their reflections in the their their JLA counterparts. But the most brilliant thing about the cover is not on the front; it's on the back. <laughs> because uh, the the uh, Justice League has counterparts like Superman, Ultraman, Wonder Woman's counterpart is Superwoman, Batman's the uh, Owl, right? So, but you get to the back cover, and there are two characters in the JLA that don't have counterparts in Martian Manhunter and Aquaman, and they are in reflection mode instead of flipped. They are because they are part of the Justice League, they, they take the positioning with all the Justice Leagues, but they're not grayed out. Because they're not reflections. If you if you look at the, the Justice League proper, they're maybe th- uh, 30% screened, but Aquaman and Martian Manhunter, they're full potency. There's nothing no, going on. My version, they're, they're, slightly, uh, they're slightly opaque. Opaque is is solid. now that's this is weird because Tim my version the deluxe edition is just the three characters the Trinity uh, really yeah you don't have any, the wraparound you don't have anything on the back no wow who screen you're so your Martian Manhunter and Aquaman are screened no uh, there is no Martian Daps. Manhunter and Aquaman okay yeah mine is my mine is exactly what you said you have Johnny Quick and Power Ring standing above ground and underneath is is the flash and green lantern respectively slightly this slightly grayed out yeah and but behind them is aquaman and martian manhunter also slightly grayed out well, that they're not make, full color yeah, like the rest that, of Earth that doesn't make any sense because they're not reflections my now mine there's no screen on mine that's weird maybe you maybe you're maybe they recolored it and just decided to just well, make but yeah, it, it, that is weird. But yeah, well, they shouldn't be screened. Oh, no, because no. they're not reflections. They have no counterpart in the antimatter universe. Why would they mm. be? Why would they be uh, uh, a reflection of what? Of nothing, right? You Unless see what I mean? Because of, because they're off the cover. Because they're because we're only seeing the reflection. Maybe above them, they're actually in full. Which is weird because why would they be on the same plane as as the, the crime syndicate? Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. Well, wait a minute. Are they upside down on your cover? Yes. Okay. Yeah, the rest of the Justice League. Okay. All right. All right. So anyway, but they're just the same. The same fadedness. Fadedness. No. Of the Justice League. no yeah, now not the, new, the newest version of the cover that's available if you buy it now is a flip of the cover I have. It's it's the main universe Wonder Woman. Superman and Batman, and the reflections are the crime syndicate. That's fucked up. I don't know if I like that at all. <laughs> yeah, same. Yeah, kind of. I agree. It kind of isn't the point, right? Like, kind of. Yeah, I'm with you. But 
which doesn't make a whole bunch of sense graphically because in terms of size, the crime syndicate is larger than the Justice League. If you if you measure the you crime physically, yeah, well, yeah. If you measure the the amount of space on the cover that the crime syndicate takes up, it's about six inches. Where yeah. the the Justice oh, right. League, oh, okay. like, yeah. it makes no sense to. I flip thought you it. meant like they were physically, like from a model standpoint, no, larger. No, 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 yeah. no, no, no. Because no. they're and they're also from Earth too. But yeah, Earth three, but okay. <laughs> Originally. So the story is not super complex. Uh, it's the, less than 100 pages, right? I mean, yeah, it, at least I, d- I don't think so. Uh, the uh, In the antimatter universe, which is presided over by the uh, crime syndicate of America, and America has a K, uh, it, you have Ultraman, Superwoman, Owlman, uh, Power Ring, and Johnny Quick. Uh, something happens. They're... they're uh, the the bee in their bonnet, the constant nagging um, hero uh, amidst their their planet wide evil and squalor, Lex Alexander Luthor uh, has escaped. He's escaped custody and um, used uh, a makeshift uh, conveyance, a spaceship, to uh, he loops around the sun and uses the uh, gravitational distortion to pierce dimensions it's like the voyage home yeah and he had he ends up on uh well let's just call it earth prime um but uh in a sequence very reminiscent of the original uh arrival of the the young kal-el he he crashes down in a in a a, a field of of crops and a, a middle-aged well not middle-aged a, a young married couple i'm assuming they're married find him and and it's not a, a, a kryptonian in swaddling clothes it's alexander luther and he's like take me to your superheroes because I, I need somebody who has a brain i need to talk to somebody with a freaking brain um and did you notice on luther's um costume and his helmet it's a peace sign there's a peace sign built into his yeah his his costume so i'm like yeah. if superman didn't initially believe him the dude's wearing a peace sign like come on I think he's and a, a massive codpiece. I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's yeah, man. yeah. It's, it's, the, it's to offset the women's uh, butt shots. It's a book for everybody. It could be, yeah. Uh, but so uh, an airliner crashes, and the Justice League uh, go to uh, to try and save the day, and they ultimately find out that everybody on board the ship is dead. What the hell is going on? All these people are dead. Uh, their hearts are on the wrong side of their bodies. Uh, it looks like some kind of Nazi regalia on the tail uh, yeah, KKK section. Airlines. Yeah, and so Superman's like, this is nuts. Let's check out the black box. He's like, whoa, wait a minute. And it's uh, Lex Luthor, right? Um, so the Justice League go, and, and they confront Luthor, and Luthor's like, I'm not the dude you think I am, okay? I am a good guy. I'm I'm an upstanding. Uh, all I want is is to save the day and and thwart evil and and open the the cosmic window to light. I can't do that back at home because there's an evil group of people called the Crime Syndicate. Um, they oppress everything around them. They're raping the planet. They're just destroying and devastating everything. They they rule with an iron iron fists, and they are you. 
They're evil versions of you, if you could believe that, right? Yeah. Uh, so they, uh, Batman's like, yeah, no, um, we 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 can't help you uh, because we got enough to do here. This is uh, our planet is is in you know there there are things that pop up every day. We got to stay here. And Wonder Woman's like, I don't know, maybe we can do this. So she kind of uses. You know her position to influence Superman a little bit, and they end up, um, they end up making the jump. They go over to uh, the antimatter universe, and that's when things really heat up. It's awesome because uh, Gotham is very different, very different place than um, Gotham Prime. Uh, the uh, commissioner is Thomas Wayne. And he's yep. like he's like the last one of the last good cops ever, and he's struggling. He's trying to 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 push all the the dirty cops out of Gotham and and get things you know going on the right path. But uh, Gordon is a filthy scumbag, and 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 won't allow it. And most of the guys on the force are in Gordon's pocket. Uh, Thomas Wayne maybe has thirty dudes that he can semi trust. And he's being constantly oppressed by by Owlman. Owlman cuts him and fucks him up. And the the uh, Gotham PD are, are they're pawns. They're they're clay pigeons to be you know uh, destroyed, which is 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 neat to see. Um, there's a relationship between Owlman and and Superwoman. See, Superwoman is the squeeze of uh, Ultraman, but. When Ultraman's not around, which is almost never, because he he's constantly watching, and this is part of the reason why they do it. Uh, Owlman and and uh, Superwoman suck face; they do nasty, nasty things. And, yeah, that that's that's one thing. I was like, huh? Because I don't know, man. Like, given what we see of Ultraman and how despotic and omnipotent he is, like, I think. He fucks with his girl, dude. Like, I think he'd just kill Owlman. Like, I don't... No, Owlman has pictures. He's got the negatives. No, I know, but what could possibly... Like, I know. And I know that's the explanation. Like, oh, I've got the pictures. But what, what pictures could he possibly have to a guy that's effectively the god of that world? Well, that's... With no moral compass, either. Like, what, I, what, what... I would guess that they're pictures of Ultraman with another man. I, why would he give a uh, shit? Why would he care? This is a different universe, man. It's anti-matter. Why would that matter? I don't know. Still, but, I mean, he, he's still longing after after Superwoman. He's still, he's still, he's going to consider himself. He's going to look down on on anything that uh, that he wouldn't consider straight. Plus, what? he also he he's not he's not Superman's equal in the sense that the sun keeps recharging him. He, he needs the the anti K to to stay as powerful as he is. So, and in a nice little twist on the Superman mythology. He wasn't an alien. Right. And he did not come from space. He was and a human. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah, he was a human in the space program who went up into space and was tweaked by aliens. So it's kind of like Cyborg Superman. Yeah, it's kind of cool, right? But um, for those who haven't read this, Superwoman is, in fact, Lois Lane. So remember, in this antimatter universe, things are flipped, right? Good is bad, bad is good, uh, in comparison to the, the, the quote, DC universe. Um, and so Lois Lane is 
Superwoman, but she is a royal bitch. She she does work at the Daily Planet, and she is a reporter of sorts, but the Daily Planet is a shit rag who do not um, care if a story is true or not. They don't fact check anything. It's kind of like what we have Fox right News. now. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of like Fox News. Um, they uh, And they're presided by over by Cat Grant, which is like, again, bottom of the barrel, right? Um, there's no... Who looks just like Kellyanne Conway, by the way. Yeah, hey, right? Kellyanne I mean, Conway was probably like 12 years old when this book was made, but I mean, it's it's hysterical. There's no integrity. Um, journalistic integrity. They don't care about uh, uh, whom their their stories impact or, or what happens from them. They just publish it, get it out, um, and they have like a bingo ticker tape thing going on there. there. So it's like a charade. It, it, it's, it's appealing to the lowest common denominator. Again, like Fox News. Uh, and she treats Jimmy. Jimmy has this weird uh, sexual fetish thing going on, with, as anyone, I guess, would. Um, Jimmy worships her, uh, and she treats him like a dog. Um, and she, Jimmy brings her information. So instead of Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen, it's Superwoman's snitch, Jimmy Olsen. And she gives Jimmy pieces of her clothing in, in reward for his... Uh, his giving her information. And there was some some hint about autoerotic asphyxiation going on in that scene with the noose. Like, she may have been hanging him. To, I, I don't know what was going on there. But it, it's, a, it's a cool scene. It's just, it's Morrison. So I guess you can read into it what you will, and you probably won't be wrong, right? Um, what else? The, the, uh, the universe is, is bent, the, the, this antimatter universe. So the Justice League, uh, the, sorry, the Crime Syndicate. I think this is the most gruesome depiction of the quote bad version of the Justice League that we've seen. There are a million stories of of evil Justice League. Oh no, it's it's bad counterparts of the heroes we love. Like they do it in the in the animated shows, they've done it in the comics. It's like it's it's a trope that has in my opinion been way overused, right? But in this one, like there's a real slimy undercurrent of stuff going on here. Flash is a junkie. He needs that 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 drug to to uh, for his speed, the power ring is is beholden to the or almost possessed by the the ring, and the the ring has a uh, uh, extra dimensional entity captured inside the ring. This Volthoom, uh, Superwoman is is uh, she dirty, right? She'll try she dirty. She dirty. She'll try anything with anyone. And I swear that one scene when she's telling it to Martian Manhunter and his cape is pushed over his lower regions, she is cupping his junk. And we'll get to it. But um, Ultraman is just a sadistic prick. Uh, there's one scene where he drops um, money on the population and the money's counterfeit. So it's not very good. It's not good money. Um, and one guy's like, screw this. This is, this is bad counterfeit money. It's not going to do, this isn't right. And Ultraman just kills him. He blows him away with his, with his, uh, heat vision. Like, he has no regard for human life. They don't care. None of them care. They just want to get their rocks off and they want to, 
they i the one of the things that i really don't understand is uh and i guess it applies to to our world as well when you get to a position of power and your your power is ultimate right where do you go from there like what what's the desire to rule over everyone with an iron hand and, and and just keep extracting the the lifeblood from the people under you like that's the goal how long can that make you happy what it seems like this crime syndicate they 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 are lords and ladies of their realm like they could do anything they want and it and it's the the fact that luther keeps trying to, to knock them down a couple pegs that that's the only thing that gives them some kind of enjoyment like the rest of it is just the same thing every day like where's the end game what's the whole point uh, of being these these uh despotic rulers like why that's what i don't understand what are they getting out of this um well i presume they're all about power and control right like they get off on subordination and well, I mean, but, but what I what I said when you subjugate everyone, okay, check that off the list. Where do you go from there? Sure. Where, what, well, we don't know that they're very satisfied with their lives. They may not be. Well, they're they're definitely not. I mean, yeah. if 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 Superwoman was satisfied with Ultraman, she wouldn't be sucking face with with Owl Man, right? And yeah, you know the the Power Ring thinks his his power is a curse. He doesn't want it. He never. He wish he never took it. Uh, yep. Flash is a junkie, uh, and it, yep. bear, it bears uh, mentioning that this book does feature the one true Flash in Wally, not Barry. Yeah, and uh, the one true Green Lantern in Kyle. <laughs> no, no, I don't even go that far. <laughs> <laughs> no. no, that's just crazy talk. Yeah. And and in the Watchtower, at the in in this in the. Crime Syndicate Watchtower, which is more like a floating, like almost like robotic uh, crab or something. Um, instead of Martian Manhunter, Man and Things as an equal, you've got a subordinate Brainiac who's essentially Superman's slave. Not Superman, Ultraman's slave. Yeah. Well, keep going. I like the way you talk. Oh, you – oh. You, well, before we do keep going, I just wanted to say one other thing. You, you When you were talking about the um, – like one of the things I think that I really do like about this, and and it's just a thing that Morrison and Quietly have, is that is that Quietly does some really neat sight gags to to make the points, and like you mentioned with the Lex Luthor peace sign. But I love that when they go to Leith, to Luthor Corp to uh, to see what's doing, and Luthor is sitting there, and obviously he's this is the good Luthor, but sitting in the bad Luthor of Earth One's office, and he's got a fucking desk made up of redwood tree like yes which is just so classic like evil luthor right like like the dude fucking takes like one of the most majestic majestic natural occurrences in our world and turns into a fucking desk you know like like the just ultimate hubris which i just i thought that was wonderful um but this this luthor uh doesn't i mean he's not a hundred percent squeaky clean because when he comes over he imprisons the bad lex luthor which, yeah, th- but that's okay. That's no different than the heroes imprisoning villains, right? I mean, that's right. But I don't think there was a, uh, a a reason other than he wanted him off the table. Like the heroes imprison Luther when he does when he when he transgresses when he steps over the line. Alexander came over and said, "That guy's me. I got to get rid of him." And he, 
you yeah, know. but but even like he even says like, hey, uh, you know, when he's telling his supercomputer for stuff to do for the day, he says, my counterpart escaped almost escaped this morning. Re-encrypt the locks. We need him in there for another forty eight hours. So he's a benevolent guy. Like he's not trying to kill this Luthor. No, no, and he, he's, he's just saying like, I need him out of the way so I can get these guys to help me. Yeah, dude, you're imprisoning someone against their will. That's not a hundred percent squeaky clean. Well, you, you know, you're, no, I'm you're, with you, but I'm saying, like, is it any different? I mean, I, it's nothing that any law enforcement, including the heroes, do, right? No, I of mean, course, right, right, right. But I mean, he yeah. he uh, he distributes Lex's wealth among his employees, something Lex would never do. Here's eighty thousand dollars. Go take a vacation, right? Uh, let's increase everybody's pay by two hundred percent. No, wait, no, three hundred percent. Like, you know, that's great. Lex would never do that, but he still imprisons someone against because, their will. Well, because look at the earth he's from. It, it's that's just that, that's how the people here are wired. Yes, there is some good in him, but he's still, you know, the, the, the people on the street. Like there's, there's hardly he's he's the standout in in this whole universe because there is a spark of good in him, but he's still of this world. He's still not going to be pure as ivory snow. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and and I wasn't sure how I felt about our Batman being a little bit of a bitch when it's like Luther asking for help, and he's like, "I can't help you. We're over. We're understaffed." It's like, "Nah, dude, you're Batman. Like you, like you spent the last fifty years of comics, like whatever comic you're in, you're ready to help fight, like whatever it is. Like you're simultaneously keeping Gotham safe and stopping." Starro, right? Like that's Batman. That's what he right. does. He doesn't say, "Oh, I'm busy." Be like, "Yeah, okay, you're you're busy. You're the dude like that made the o- you you made the Omax satellite, okay? Exactly. You, you know everything about everybody. Just go do it." Yeah. yeah. And they vote, and then like, and then he's like, "Okay, I'll go. Like, I'll, t- I'll take the vacation." <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's how he fucking phrases it. Um, just as long as you know, we've got we've got the B team ready here on on standby, but the. Um, I was a little surprised you didn't point out the money that the passengers in the airplane had printed on the back way that Mammon we trust. Oh, Benedict and, Arnold, right? And uh, and and uh, yeah, and Benedict yeah. Arnold is on the dollar bill. But um, <laughs> just just uh, to, just to show you the flip side of everything. But um, you were continuing. Um, yeah. So they get to the other universe, and Brainiac, like I said, Brainiac is uh, up in the Watchtower. And he's all like, oh, what was me? He's got his head down. He's looking kind of frail. And he's basically like, um, uh, what's the, he's like the Igor in a sense, like, you know, <laughs> kind of just feeding Ultraman intel about the alternate universe. And uh, once he hears that, Ultraman's like, oh, shit, I got to, I got to rally up. I'm going to get this crime syndicate meeting going here. Um, and then we flash back, and I think Vince already kind of mentioned this, which is where we start the uh, Earth, Earth 2 Lex is walking with this Justice League explaining to them uh, how the crime syndicate came to be and why he needs their help. And he says, 48 hours, that's all I need. I've, I've mapped it all out. You need 48 hours of your time. He's got a plan. Bam, you come, yeah, you come with me back to my Earth 2. We handle our business, and then you'll be back here in Toot Suite. So they all agree to go, and coincidentally, the two that there are no uh, composites for, uh, John Johns and... and, and uh, and Aquaman decide to stay on Earth and uh, and watch over things. So convenient. Um, and then we get the scenes in Gotham, which again Vince alluded. We we were introduced to a very different Gotham, and you've got um, you've got just a complete reversal 
of fortune where um and and again it was kind of like so dominating that i'm wondering again like what would be how on earth would thomas wayne be alive like just being a human cop right in a world like this why would they endeavor to keep him alive like, what, yeah but uh, from what i got it was thomas and martha that lived mm-hmm. and bruce and um well thomas is owl man bruce died Why the whole thing that 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 owl man thrives on is fucking up his father's day, and when he comes to when owl man comes to our DC universe proper and sees the gravestone Thomas and Martha Wayne, he's like, I I'm I'm I just got castrated, I, I I'm in now I can't do anything on this this planet because my reason for being is to mess with my father, and here he is he's dead, so I got no place here I got nothing to do. Yeah, but I'm confused. So, wait, how is Al? So, who? What's the relation to Al Man and the Commissioner then? It's his father. Al Man is Bruce. Al Man is Thomas Junior. Thomas Junior. Yeah, there's two kids. If you look at the 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 there picture was. with with. Bruce, uh, Thomas and Martha and Bruce, there's a rip. Oh, no, you're okay. You're right. Yeah, because I'm like, wait, I'm like, they're both Thomas yeah. Wayne. How's that possible? Yeah. No, you're right. Okay, yeah, yeah. Alman is Thomas Wayne, the kid. Yes. Right. Okay, that's the difference, right? And then, and then effectively, the commission. Co- Gordon is, is like the crime boss. He's the mob yeah, boss. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then Thomas Wayne, aka Bruce's dad, is the, is the cop, the good cop. Right, right. Yeah. Um, and then we get the little hookup scene, and um, I will say, I guess because it was a DC book, they play it pretty PG-13. Like, yes, yeah, Ultraman incinerates a dude for complaining about him, for sure. But, like, there's not a lot of real, like, like it's all illusion. There's there's not, like you said, that Ultraman and, and, and Superwoman make out, but they don't fuck, you know. There's the, like, the, 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 there's the scene where she's teasing... Um, Jimmy, but it's it's just teasing. Yeah. You know, the language is harsher than what we see, right? And, and admittedly, as you said, Vince, there's been a lot of takes on yeah. evil superheroes, particularly uh, evil Superman analogs, and, and and I guess understandably, some have gotten more extreme over the years. I mean, like if you compare this to the boys, right? Which I'm sure a lot of people that are maybe reading this for the first time to play along with us are fam- are familiar with the boys because of either the comic or more likely the t- the TV show. Um, you know, there, I mean, the Patriot is like a totally sadistic, fucked up version of Superman, right? Like, right. You know, um, or like Brightburn, the movie that came out a year ago or so ago. I mean, that's, that's literally like, what if young Clark was just completely without a moral compass, not fucked up would he be or, uh, or irredeemable, right? Right. Uh, but the, 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 the slime is right below the surface. Right, you know, like when when Ultraman looks at Wonder Woman and says, "Oh man, give me five minutes in a room alone with her," like mm-hmm. I'll just mm-hmm. rip the hell out of her. And it's he doesn't go as far as to describe what he would do, but the fact that you have this godlike being looking at Wonder Woman, being like, "Yeah, you know, um, I have Superwoman, but I want that right you know, mm-hmm. right now." So, he's what a- do you think of Johnny Quick being a junkie? Only because, um. It just strikes me as like, how would he be an effective 
leader and member of like world leader and member of the crime syndicate like why would they want to tolerate a dude that's a junkie like what would be the point of that because see they totally own him they he doesn't get his drugs he's if they dangle the the drugs like a carrot he does anything they want him to do Mm -hmm. they 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 possess him why wouldn't they want a junkie yeah that's your best Uh, customer i guess that makes sense yeah that makes that makes sense and when you got a like guy a, that can pierce the multiverse and he's in the palm mm-hmm. of your hand, come on. True. And I think Quietly yeah. draws, it's almost like he's channeling Steve Dillon when he draws him, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't want to draw um, that character because, you, you know, you have a panel and there's uh, maybe four characters. In it, and then when it's, when it's quick, he's broken up into segments of, of many, many, many characters. Yeah, for sure. It's like, that's for a sure. lot of freaking work, man. Mm-hmm. And a like you said, work. power ring, he's, he's, his power ring is basically imbued with a, a spirit named Volthoom. <laughs> that's, that's so Morrison, <laughs> isn't it? So Morrison. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. Um, yeah. And then, and then, so basically the, the, the key crux here is that as the, as our Justice League are in Earth 2 to take care of business, they don't count on the idea that the crime syndicate can roll to our world and fucks with people. Right. Like they, it, clearly, they don't plan for that. They don't think about that. And I will say, in terms of uh, probably one of the cooler things that Kyle Rayner's ever done is when he uh, projects the hands clasped over the moon as a signal. That's pretty powerful, right? To yeah. yeah, yeah. Generate yeah. an object that can cover an entire planetary object. That's... That's legit. That's yeah. definitely legit. And I love that when he draws Ultraman in his Clark Kent vibe, he gives him that Weasley little pencil mustache. It's like the only thing that's different about him. He doesn't wear glasses. He's got this like pencil little weasel mustache. That's super. Because he, he's Lieutenant Clark Kent. Yeah. He's 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 impersonating. He's he's the Clark Kent of this world of Earth too. But he's 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 apparently according to what Kent says, he's Lieutenant on the police force, married to Lois Lane. <laughs> so yes, yeah, since, since he doesn't really, yeah, so since he doesn't necessarily have the the alter ego um, of now, Superman. Now, when was the first time we saw this Lex Luthor suit? Was it Crisis or what? Like when did when was this first introduced? Lex Luthor's power suit. Wow, yeah. this is that's from the eighties. Jose Luis Garcia okay. Lopez drew it. It was it, it it's back in the day when Superman had his little flying cart that had the big metal fists coming through it. Dude, I would even say seventies. For that. Probably, you're probably was it right. Was it with the toys? Was it with the yeah. toys? Yeah. It, uh, it was definitely with the superpowers. Yeah, not as detailed. Stuff. Not as detailed. But it wasn't. It, it wasn't. It wasn't the Super Friends era. It was. It was after that. Right. Yeah. But um, so not to belabor the point. The um, remember that that airliner that went down. Well, 24 hours later, an airliner goes down on the antimatter earth and wouldn't you know it they're amazed because all of the occupants their hearts are on the wrong side they're on the left side which means they're from earth prime yep and so that uh puts a little b in owl man's uh bonnet because they're now imprisoned on the watchtower in the watchtower by by cal rayner and so ultraman's freaking out he's trying to get out and he's spending hours and hours and hours just battering himself against 
the Green Lantern energy. Uh, can't do it. And they're they're all freaking out. And Batman, uh, Batman, sorry. Uh, Owlman's just like, yeah, okay, whatever. Just let him go. Let him do his little thing. Because in 24 hours, be, as we have seen with the two planes, the one went down on um, Earth Prime, and then 24 hours later, another one appeared on the Antimatter universe. The fact that the crime syndicate was imprisoned within the... Um, Watchtower. Twenty four hours later, blunk. They the the uh, their counterparts, which is uh, our Justice League, came to their planet. So they shifted over to Earth Prime, and now you have the Crime Syndicate unleashed on Earth without a Justice League. Yep, that's not good. Mm-hmm. Um, but good. Um, long story short, the the evil genius behind it all is Brainiac. Yeah, he carefully conceived this whole thing, nudged Lex in certain directions. Um, why is he doing it? Well, he's going to slam both of the Earths together and siphon the energy derived from their collision uh, and become a god, an nth-level intellect. Yeah. Um, and I find it very fitting that on this antimatter world where... Uh, the Antichrist is the Godhead. Uh, so, you know, black is white, white is black. Evil's good, good is, is evil. Um, this godlike being that is coming from Brainiac is Baphomet. If you look at the face that, that quietly draws, it is freaking Baphomet. And you cannot tell me that Morrison did not have a major hand in, in, in guiding that ship. Right? Mm-hmm. It it's totally Baphomet, but anyway, um, so Superman he gets into the 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 uh, chamber in time, and he's trying to stop uh, Brainiac from achieving this this god like status. And Superman's like, "Well, you know what? I'm going to kill your ass because I don't have any reservations about destroying um, you know robots." And uh, Brainiac's like, well, uh, I am or part organic. And so Superman can't do a damn thing. He, he, he can't kill a living being. So what does he do? How does Superman save the day? By doing nothing. By doing absolutely nothing. The day is won by Superman not killing uh, Brainiac. The crime syndicate um, popped back to their home planet and Ultraman does the deed. He has no reservations against killing anything. So he just uh, stops Brainiac's ascension in its tracks, kills him. And um, I think that's a great way to wrap up this story. Cause the, when I originally read it, I'm like, how the hell is this going to be resolved? Because you have these, these evil s- bastards on on you know earth just ripping the place apart giant monsters and killing people and um uh bill clinton is in the oval office with uh superwoman like what is happening um but the fact is that the 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 crime syndicate was powerless on on earth prime because ultraman didn't have the thing access to the thing that made him ultraman didn't have the the uh the, the hopped up kryptonite 
to make him uh, superpower doesn't have that. Um, Owlman has no access to his father because his father's dead. Can't screw up his day. Um, uh, Quick doesn't have the serum. So everything, like they're rendered ineffectual. And I thought it was awesome how quickly Martian Manhunter took out Ultraman. Like, yeah. oh hell yeah, yeah. That, that I've th- I I have uh, not seen that ever. Um, yeah, Ultraman right. is massively powerful and. We've seen him do terrible, terrible things. Uh, Martian Manhunter, I don't think, has the power set to just bring down Ultraman like like that. But yeah, you know, he did. He did. Um, and the the inverse was true as well. That Superman and the and the JLA really couldn't do much to change um, the antimatter Earth. Yes, Batman did tweak gotham a bit but by and large the planet remains unchained the people are still people are still subjugated you know the the crime syndicate is still in power like uh the the good will never overcome the evil of the crime syndicate anti-matter earth because that earth is evil and evil will never overcome the good of the jla's earth because that planet and people uh, that reside on it are inherently good. And I think that was a neat little um, twist, if you can call it that, by Morrison, uh, where, you know, your genetic makeup determines your uh, inevitable outcome, right? So the people on uh, the antimatter Earth and the, the, the crime syndicate are so bad. They're so over the line that there's no redemption for the planet at all it's just going to remain yeah. it's going and back lex to, back to normal yeah and they 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 mention it um how lex being the only shred of light the only good person on the planet has tried incessantly to bring down the crime syndicate and and ultraman's like yeah well okay he's gone but he'll come back and try and get us and he'll fuck it up somehow like that's what he does he he tries and and does not succeed. We get him. He escapes. He tries, doesn't succeed. We get him. Like it's a never ending cycle. Batman and Joker. Yeah, yeah. Well. Yeah. And to your point about how they were bored in the postscript, uh, they're walking around and Owlman is talking to Superwoman and he says, uh, "My old man's turned Gotham into a police state. No Gordon around to protect my ass. No food in the stores. The thrills back, just like the good old days." So like. He's stoked. He's got a. He's got a reason. You know, he's going to go back to Gotham and like reestablish his yep. domain. And he's got to fight against some good guys. And he's he's psyched for it. And he's like, we really uh we owe those mirror people. So like he's happy. Like he's happy that they intervened and made things a little more interesting because it had gotten boring to him to just have everything in control. So yeah. Um, and I'm surprised that this page didn't leave Dap swearing this book off. Oh. <laughs> when Ultraman just fucking incinerates a little kitten just for the fucking sake of it, just to just to remind Owlman that he's always yeah. watching. Well, I read it when I was younger. Well, I mean, there's a kitty. there's a lot of animal cruelty in this book. Yeah, yeah. They they kick a dog. That that just yeah. shows you how evil they are. If you're gonna kick a dog, pinch a baby, you're evil. No, the baby probably had it coming. But I mean, to fry a kitten just to. Just to just remind the man that he's asshole. watching you. That's fucked yeah. up. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Again, what does he care about a kitten? Yeah. 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 No, I, I liked it a lot. I really did. I, I think it's well done. I mean, for me, 
I think they're just one of those tandems that can't do wrong. I mean, those two, they just have a great chemistry. I, you know, quite least a, um, he's an asymmetric enough artist that it works with Morrison, right? He, I, I always feel like Morrison is really at his worst when it's just conventional art with him. Yeah, it um, doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you need someone that's willing to kind of go out on a limb with him and um, and Quietly does that. Um, it's well documented. When I first saw Quietly, I wasn't a fan. And then I ended up becoming a huge fan because I had had to evolve from someone who just was expected my comics to look a certain way on model to really appreciating when they didn't and challenged me visually. And uh, um, Quietly so distinctive, right? I mean, you you, you know a Quietly page when you see it. Uh, his, his, his anatomy is... Is not typical, but it's also d- distinctly his own. I mean, you, he has a, a way of drawing figures that is fairly consistent. But uh, and honestly, he doesn't draw women very attractively. Like oh he, no, I, you know, I think he does. Nah, their faces yeah. are always ragged. I think there's a couple of images of of Wonder Woman that that aren't bad, but but they are. There are some that uh, that have some chiseled features. And he usually gives them very small hips and big long legs. Nothing wrong with that, <laughs> um, but uh, but no, but I I love his artwork. Yeah. to say, I think it's amazing, and um, yeah, I, I think this is fun. It is. It, that's the key word. It's fun and it's accessible and it's all and it's short. Like you can read this in right. one sitting and, and then move on. Everything you, don't you need, need is it. right here. It, it doesn't dive into a hundred, three hundred, four hundred. To your point, like you don't need to read four or five hundred pages to get the gist. It's like but, all right, cool, right. This is not. Morrison looking in the mirror saying, I am so freaking smart. Look what I did with this Zurinar shit. I pulled a Batman out of my ass from the 60s and I'm using it in this story and you have to have read this and, right. you know, it's it's Morrison with the in, on the wall with the red twine, just piecing everything together from from the sixties to seven. This is not that. You can sit down, read this Justice League story, and just enjoy it. It doesn't. The, yes, the, it, there are some conceptual layers to it. They're not very deep, right? Um, it's not the blunderbuss. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this is definitely not uh, a crisis. It's just it's just a good. Uh, well-written, fun, evil JLA versus JLA. It's all it is. It's fun. And and Lex Luthor and Brainiac in the middle. Yep. There's That's why we. I, I was hesitant to go real deep on it because I don't really think there's there's a whole lot to... I mean, we talked about, the, I think, the, the high points, but other than that, it's just a, a, a really enjoyable, well-written, yeah. well, well-illustrated... JLA tale. That's it. Yep. I don't think there's a lot of subtext here, and I think that's no. what makes it fun. Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm saying. He's not burying himself yep. in cleverness. He's just having a good time. Yep. And, you know, we've talked about Morrison a lot over the years, and, and certainly Vince is a huge fan. Um, sure. I mean, I, I, I mean, not to say we're not, but, but we've had many lengthy conversations about Morrison over the years, and I always think that it falls back to, and I think we're all generally in agreement for this, like Morrison only ever gets into trouble when he tries to outsmart everybody right like and 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 i don't mean that like i think his best works are very layered but i think when he really hits when he's like all-timer mount rushmore it's when the surface level is wildly entertaining and there's depth to it right so you can go you can you can it's like a seven layer dip you can you can just scoop the guac from the top and have fun or you can dig in 
where I think it, it's a miss is when he tries to make you like peel back the layers to figure out what the fuck he's talking about. Right. And like absent being able or willing to do that, you're mystified. Yeah. Like if you give someone invisibles to read as their first Morrison joint, they'd be like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? I got no True. idea what's but going at, on. Here. But at least, yeah, no, I know what you, but at least with invisibles though, it's, it's an, like it is all there though. Right. Like, like the payoff is worth it. Right. Whereas like something like a C guy for me, it's like, I don't, like I don't know what you're doing there. Like I don't. Yeah. Right. That's you know I'm like I don't. It just that didn't feel like it was worth the effort. Yeah, I think me. there's a lot of research that needs to be done with invisibles. You, you cannot that's give yeah, you can't fair. give invisibles to a layman and say make sense of this because yeah. it's just so mired in occult and and paranormal and that realm that you you need to know mm-hmm. where he's coming from. But, and the line is different for everybody because I think Seven Soldiers is like perfection, but that's super intricate. I mean, you need to you need to be very. I mean, and it's lengthy, right? I mean, it's yeah. it's seven miniseries with an intro and an outro, and they're all very different stories, and then they all connect. So you got to put in the work and have patience. Um, but I think that's phenom- Like I think that's a phenomenal piece of work, uh, right? Um, but like I understand if for some people that was too much. I mean, I liked Final Crisis a lot, but I I know that not everyone, including Dapper, are huge fans of it. Like I, you know, so I I think with Morrison, it's not even it's almost like a sliding scale. It's just how far every person has their own line where where he kind of where he he fits in and doesn't fit in in terms of how much he he makes you stretch and figure out what he's getting at. So, yep, there you go. All right, it's another book of the month in word the- up. Yeah, it was fun. It, I don't. There wasn't a whole lot of heavy lifting with this one, which was ironic it was nice. because it is Grant Morrison. Uh, but yeah. Uh, yeah, atypical Grant Morrison. But well, would you say though that his JLA was one of his most straightforward runs ever? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, this follows that right after. I mean, it's right after that, right? Yeah, I think JLA. There's some intricacies to it, but it's not Doom Patrol, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he's self-referential in JLA a lot. Like the 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 later stuff uh, harkens to the early stuff, and yeah, gotta pay attention with JLA. But it's not again the, the it's not the Invisibles or uh, mm-hmm. you know uh, even Seven Soldiers. Seven Soldiers, I think, is much more complex than his JLA stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. All right, that was great. It was. It's not the only thing we all read this weekend. This week, it's crazy, isn't it? Just be reading shit together, just collaboing, timing up. Um, yeah, there's been some hubbub around a book that was released. Ah, yes, yeah, Magma Hot. I, I, yeah, uh, I, I'm flip, wondering. Mike, I don't even remember buying it. <laughs> it came in my box. I'm like, oh, look at this. I, I'm wondering if it's not a Howard the Duck like artificially inflated. Uh, heat, right? Because well, wait, explain that. What do you mean? Was Howard the Duck artificially inflated? The first issue of Howard the Duck was yeah, Marvel um, shorted newsstand uh, vendors w- with the book, and the book became um, the word of mouth started on the book, and people couldn't get it. The newsstands oh. didn't have it, uh, which was intentionally done because okay, yeah, Marvel was sitting on a bunch of them, and I mean they they trickled. That's why you go to conventions now, you see tons of Howard the Duck. 
right? Five bucks. Uh, but what I'm saying is the the first issue of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was very valuable at one time because there wasn't a whole lot of them around, right? And so I'm thinking, well, conceptually, it would make sense if they wanted to to have that lightning strike twice would be to kneecap themselves by by intentionally shortening the print runs for this, knowing that if you have Eastman and Laird, Laird is like Ghost Ben on this book, Ghost Kenobi. Uh, his spirit's there, but I don't see a lot of, I don't hear a lot of Eastman speaking on this book, or uh, Laird speaking in this book. But anyway, uh, we are, of course, talking about The Last Ronin, number one, which was conceived by Kevin Eastman, Peter Laird, and Tom Waltz, was written by Waltz and Kevin Eastman. Layouts are by Eastman. And I would be able to tell that even if it wasn't credited on that there page. <laughs> Because he is uh, bringing the wine and the uh, the what do you call it the 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 bread to the altar of Frank Miller. It is just a, a straight Frank. I love you for doing what you did. Thank you for giving me a career. I don't blame him, right? Uh, but it's illustrated it's poetic, right? Considering right, sure Turtles was like in its own way a parody of. Of Miller's Daredevil, it's, so. it's, it's how they got, it's how they yeah. were mutated. I like, I like how you say in its own way. It's, it, it's a, a deadpan it's a swipe wreck. of, of Daredevil. Yeah, I'm just trying to be, I was trying to be polite, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's illustrated by Esau and Isaac Escorza. Mm-hmm. Okay, I are think you they, familiar with them? Were, were, mm, are they, have they done Turtles work before? Uh, I, I couldn't tell you. I've... And before before you move on, can you? Because I again, my my turtles, um, my turtles uh, expertise is far far behind yours. Uh, when you say you didn't see a lot of Laird in this, I want you to expand on that because I I don't like I don't know what that means. Like I don't I like in other words, what's the difference between a, an Eastman helmed turtle story and a Laird helmed turtle turtle story? Well, volume four of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is. All written by Laird, right? Okay. Um, Laird doesn't go for the histrionics like Eastman. Eastman's all, yeah, man, let's get all cool and do battle sequences. Laird will have Casey talking to April for like four pages. Got it. You know, there's there's a lot more heart and family and and the the. Um, I'm not saying that Eastman's without heart. But Laird is the more measured, more intelligent. I'll be honest. Um, he's the more seasoned. He's older than Eastman. He just um, he approaches the, the turtle writing from a different perspective, one that has been around for a while, has experience. There's more to storytelling than just throwing the, you know, the stars at each other and, and cutting people. I, I, yes, there's a lot of science fiction in, in Laird's Volume 4. You know, but I think I think Laird is a better storyteller than Kevin Eastman, right? That's just uh, preference. I, I, Eastman does a lot of that's awesome, bro. That's cool. Look at that. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll have these mutated. So is it fair to say that like the cartoon was more Laird? No, I, I know they didn't. I'm saying, but like in terms of those of us that were more grew up with the cartoon, I, I think it's the team, and I think Laird was the one 
who told, like, there's a reason why Kevin Eastman's not writing the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for IDW, right? I, I think he's he, he was part of a very um, creatively robust team that worked well mm-hmm. with each other, that bounced things back and forth, and you had one that would be like, dude, that's just silly. We can't do that. Or, or you know, one that was the voice of reason and taste, I think. But when you take Laird out of the equation, you have stuff like um, what was, Melting Pot, right? That's just people beating the crap out of each other. Like uh, with, with Bisley drawing, that's cool. It's wonderful. But there's really no substance to a lot of Eastman's stuff. I love the dude very much, mm-hmm. right? But, I mean, if, if you read volume four, which Mirage, uh, Laird published himself through Mirage, it reads like nothing that it, it reads like all the good issues that came before it, the really good volume one issues, the ones that had that that familial aspect and that that heart. I don't get a lot of that from just Kevin Eastman. Okay, right. No, it's a good answer. I mean, that's that's what I'm asking. I don't. I I'm, I'm just not well well enough versed to have any kind of delineation. I would be, so. I would have more concrete examples had you given me enough time to just like say, hey, what do you love? <laughs> why, why do you think you prefer Peter Laird as a storyteller over Kevin Eastman? Um, mm-hmm. I, I, then I would have them, but on the spot, I would just say that I think Laird is more seasoned. He is he's more intelligent. Um, he's he's the, the voice of reason. That's yeah. why I love these two guys together. Um, and I don't know who did what in this story, but I, I could guess that, um, that Eastman had a little bit more weight because there's a lot of fighting in this thing. There's a lot of sequences where it's just eight. I don't think we should spoil it. No. And I was going to, I, 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 Jason, step away for a second. Yeah, I I know. I was, I, I mean, I was going to. Um, it just came out. I don't think it would be fair. Right? No, no, no. But I did. I was going to ask if you knew. Oh, right off the bat, as you were reading it. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Because um, if you look at the weapons, right, right, and then you 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 look at the demeanor of of. See, we. I don't think we can even say no, anything that's fine. without no, no, spoiling no, no, no. it. No, I mean, we could talk about it after. But there I was think, a okay. time. There was a time in the in the in the book where I'm like, yeah, this is not. No, mm-mm. no, this is someone else. Yeah, I didn't know which one, but I had a, uh, I had an uh, an idea. Yeah, I knew who it wasn't, and and then as I kept reading, I I kept ticking off, which. I was like, okay, well then it's not him either, and 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 until we got to the end, but but I know that they, I I perp, I feel like they they purposely put clues on our way to oh fool us into thinking oh they yeah can. yeah 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 Be- because the 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 turtle is gruff and just barges into uh, instances without really planning and it's caption boxes are a certain color yeah which, and he's you know, he's got a grudge a massive grudge yeah uh so yeah you would you would think that it would be someone and then right you know, whatever yeah uh but the, the issue is really easy to explain um shredder has a grandson karai 
had a little baby boy named uh, Iroko Hiroto. And apparently, uh, Hiroto ended three of the four turtles. And there's, there's up. right, and there's one surviving turtle who is progressing from the 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 dregs, the the street level um, of uh, San Francisco, right, uh, yeah. to the this this tower. Um, penthouse of of Oroko Hiroto, and he's got a score to settle with him. He wants to end his life for what he did. Um, did you did you have a guess? Yeah, don't See, spoil it. Okay, don't that spoil it. Okay, right when you stepped away. Oh, I, I had asked Vince if um if if he knew who it was or, or when he if he knew who it was when. He figured it out, or or because yeah. I I was saying that they they obviously purposely um, wrote it and presented it in a way that 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 they were trying to throw you off the scent as the story progressed. Right. I, and I was telling Vince as, as it was as the story continued, I knew who it wasn't right from the start. And then as as we kept getting further along, I got to tick another turtle off. And so I mm-hmm. I it, I was down to two by the time we got to the end. Um, but I love the way it was presented. Okay, because I was going to say, for, for me, again, nowhere near as much of a aficionado, but do know pretty much their, their characters in terms of their personalities. I assumed, unfortunately, correctly so, actually, that, that of who the, who the turtle was. Because I'm like, oh, okay, so it's going to be the one we would least expect. That's time. exactly what I thought. Yeah, yeah. I, I said this is pitched heavily to make you think that it's... Wrath. Th- yeah. Yeah, but don't say anything right. else. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought it was wonderful. I think there are sequences in it that the the battle sequences are great. Um, I I want to know what happened. How did this Oroko Hiroto kill three turtles? Um, I'm I'm guessing that it is in um, the narrative that IDW has already um, established. Right, because spoiler. So you figured this is canon and not not. Oh, uh, I think so. Yeah, standalone or Elseworlds. Okay, that, no. that's fine. The fact that it's um, Eastman and Laird. Yeah, I right. think It's canon. Yeah, yeah. I I mean I, since we are, um, I, it's it's we're because the present day Turtles book isn't taking place in San Francisco, so. Um, there's and Jones is a common enough name, but I do wonder if the woman in this motorcycle gang is oh, related yeah. to Oh yeah, has to I'm be. Sure. Yeah, it has to be. Um, so there's there there definitely and and I I agree with you regarding Eastman and Laird. I I really do think that they do. Um, I mean, I, they don't need each other to survive, but but they definitely work best together, and they do play off each other because when when you have Eastman by himself. You get Tundra, and you get someone buying heavy metal. And then when you have Laird, you have the guy who founds the the Xerxes Foundation, and, <laughs> and, and you know it's like it's like giving back to to the uh, to the community and everything. So it's it's one of those things where it, it's one is one's the heart, and 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 one's one's the head. And and but when they work together, it's it's magic. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, that's, I, I think. Um... The toys that made us. I I know we 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 said this, but that one scene uh, 
when when they sit down and it's just like they're they look like they they missed each other and they were having fun and 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 that's and, the beauty of this book right like that you have to think that what we saw in that documentary is is no small part to what led to this because right. they hadn't been on speaking terms for so long and clearly they, they really did mend the, mend the yeah. fences i mean and this could be a we could be being bamboozled laird could have zero input on this book and we sure. would never even know it um but i i like to 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 believe that that idw's intentions are, are forthright and good and laird did actually do something here um but just to see those two names on a page next to each other, story by Eastman, Laird, and Tom Watson. It's like I, I don't get verklempt very often, but when it comes to Eastman and Laird, it, I, I'm a sucker. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just – I got the feels when I saw that on the page. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I'm glad to hear it meant that much to you because as you guys know, I, I, I wasn't kidding. I, I – we talked about this in the last episode. I didn't think I even ordered this. I don't remember ordering it. Um, but I got my weekly shipment and it was in here. And I'm thinking, oh, that's cool. Um, so so I think much different than you, Vince. I mean, I literally went into this comic with absolutely zero expectations. I had no expectations, preconceptions. I was like, oh, I haven't read a Turtles comic in a while. Eastman Laird, cool, let's do this. And I thought it was great. Like, I thought it was incredibly fun and tight. And sure, I mean, yes, absolutely. It's like you said, it's it's a Miller pastiche, and even the fight scenes are like, you know, the stuff we'd see in the raid. Like, it's nothing that hasn't been done before. But no. I thought it was a really well executed version, and ultimately, as an escape and a fun story, and I'm like, oh, I'm in. Like, this was fun. Like, like it doesn't break any new ground. It doesn't have any earth shattering ahas, like we've alluded to the. The big reveals are not at all surprising, even for a, a a less seasoned turtles person like me. But it all works; like it feels right and natural. And sometimes, like the obvious should be obvious because it's what makes sense. Like it, it's the way the story should go. And um, I, yeah, I really, I really thought it was great. I thought it looked great. Like I, um, I, I, I didn't know if I couldn't remember if Eastman and Lair were involved in the drawing of it until I got the issue and. I don't recognize the gentleman who who drew this. Those names mean nothing to me. Part of this issue, but I thought it looked great. Um, like you said, I thought the fight scenes were looked fantastic. Um, and even though I could tell where it was going, I I was cool with it. Um, my only and this is a total nit, but I have to bring it up because I made it. I put it in my notes. Is <laughs> I just wish that they didn't use Linda Hamilton as a uh, as a. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> as a photo ref for the final page because I mean it is clearly Linda Hamilton with different hairdo and it's like okay I mean like Terminator I get it but you know but that's fine but. I didn't even I oh didn't... go back and look at that that's Linda Hamilton with, with brown bobbed hair that's like Terminator Eddie Furlong <laughs> like, <laughs> like I'm gonna save you uh, model, but that's fine. But hey, you know, that's cool. Yeah, I guess. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Don't you ever think that, that April would tire of wearing yellow? Mustard yeah. yellow, like after well, that Well, that far into the future? Yeah, I think she might have a new do, maybe switch up the, yeah. the, the jumpsuit. Yeah. Uh, and I also have to say, there's a lot of damn covers for this book. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Every oh. comic shop seems to have one. I don't know. I'm assuming I just have the standard one here. It's um, 
How can I tell that? Um, look in the back of the book. There's It'll a, tell you which cover it is. Hold on. No, there's a yeah, there's a, a a litany of all the the covers. I'm pretty sure it's the standard cover. Yeah, I would imagine. Right. Let's see. Oh my God, Jesus. Yeah. I didn't realize the uh, the Zurich Foundation stopped um stopped giving grants. Yeah. Yep. No, I I, I sources earlier, which was why I laughed. But yeah, well, that's <laughs> it's did. fitting, right? Because Frank, right? Uh, no, I, I thought this was surprisingly well done. Now, I, mean, I shouldn't say surprisingly well done. I, I thought it was it, it met my expectations and probably exceeded them because it it, it plants a lot of questions that I have now, um, and the the addition of the Mousers, um, albeit. Future Tech souped up Mousers was great. Uh, it's, I, 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 this was wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked it a lot. I had a lot of fun. I'm glad it's on my pull list, so I don't have to worry about stressing over future issues. Um, You're glad you have a uh, retailer that will honor that that pull list. This is true because yeah. there's a lot of despicable. Well, I shouldn't say a lot. There are some retailers that when books become the hotness, the heat. They'll be like, oh, sorry, I got shorted 10. And meanwhile, those 10 are in the back going up on eBay. You know, like yeah. we've seen that a million times. We sure have. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, I mean, I must be an imbecile because I'm looking at all these covers. These are all retail. Aren't these all the retail variants? Are so they? Like, the back, yeah. yeah, yeah. So if you don't have any of those, then yeah. Okay, I was going to say, so the fact that I'm not seeing mine means I have a regular cover. Yes. Okay. I mean, the only the only way we possibly have a retail variant would be if we got the Midtown variant, which I'm sure we wouldn't because we'd have to pay for it. I'm just saying, if there's not any... Midtown, I mean, uh, I mean, DCBS, DCBS variant, yeah. yeah. If there's anybody um, from IDW listening, I would have done a much better type treatment than the the the, the current title. I'm just saying, <laughs> I that's the only weak part of the book. I think that's not good. It's a weak sauce. What are your thoughts about it being eight ninety nine? I don't care if it was twenty bucks; I would still buy it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, to 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 your point and to their defense, it clearly didn't impede sales, right? I mean, they they didn't make enough of them, so or did they? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean that 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 being, I mean, to your point, I when um when the challengers guys were talking about this debacle from their end, their view was that they didn't buy into the conspiracy that this is a plan by IDW because IDW is now out of a ton of money. I mean, they, 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 they're out of tens of thousands of dollars by not having enough to, to meet FOC. So oh, like, why would a publisher? Yeah. 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 I mean, which, which made sense to me. Like it does. Like, yeah. When yeah. you, when you put the, the, the business acumen yeah, on yeah. on the table. Yeah, I don't think in in those terms, right? Right, 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 right. So, but but you never know. I mean, either way though, they they're I'm sure they're going to sell a shit ton of these in second printings. I mean, the second printing has already been solicited, so. And if you like believe I'm, Tomio, it's the subsequent printings that are worth more. Well, obviously second's printing is probably not going to be more desirable than first. But if this goes back to print like two or three or four times, the yeah. fourth, you know, the fourth printing that could be worth a good amount of money. Yeah, yeah. I don't see a DCBS variant here. I wonder if they didn't do one. I don't know. I don't know. So there you go. The last Ronin number one. I don't know how how many. Maybe what is it? Five, four. 
I don't even five. know. Five? Yeah. Is it five? Really? Wow. Yeah. So cool. Has the second one already been solicited? Yeah. Yeah, the second one. Yeah, I ordered the second one. I ordered it. Second has uh, everything after has not. Mm-hmm. I need to check on that to see if I can maybe add it. Probably can't add it though. I'd imagine. Oh come on! You got the magic touch. You can. <laughs> we'll see. We're about to find out. So we we bring in any other books to the table, or are we we good enough where we are? Hey man, whatever. What do you want to do? Want to keep going? We keep going. Whatever. What else bro. you got? I saw something else on your list. I was curious to hear about. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Craziness. Um. Does the name George Adamski mean anything to either of you? It sounds familiar. It really does. Well, it should. Uh, especially if you're into ufology. Because Adamski is, um, he's a colossus of uh, in, in the ufology uh, sector, but... He's a, a colossus that um, is a really small man on giant stilts. In other words, he's a charlatan. He's a snake oil salesman. Um, as, as opposed to other ufologists. This is correct. Cool. Huh? Just, yeah. just checking. Don't be a jerk. Um, <laughs> the, 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 the dude was born in 1891, and he passed away in the year of my birth, 1965. So I may have some some traces of George Adamski in my blood. Who knows? Uh, he was a Polish American, uh, an occultist, a known hoaxer, according to Wikipedia. To your point. Yes, yes, he was. Uh, he was a, an occultist, a philosopher. He founded the uh, Southern California Royal Order of Tibet and its Temple of Scientific Philosophy. He was allowed. This is why he did it. He was allowed to make wine during Prohibition because he needed the wine for the temple because of their religious rites. But he then would sell the wine to anyone who wanted it, right? So he 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 made uh, well he made water out of wine. He made wine out of wine. Well, he did something very special with the stringent uh, restrictions of Prohibition, right? So in 1947, which predates. Uh, the infamous Roswell, New Mexico crash, Adamski began f- photographing UFOs. Um, and I'm sure you've seen his his most well-known image. It's the, uh, he, he shot it in 1952. It's called the chicken brooder image. Uh, the, 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 the saucer's pitched, right? And the angle of the shot is such that you could see the underside of the 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 spaceship and it has these three dome-like protrusions in a triangle pattern around the central apparatus and you could see portholes in the upper part of the ship i i can almost guarantee that you've seen this photograph somewhere right um and he claims that the craft belonged to a venusian named orthon who communicated with Adamski by telepathy. Um, wouldn't you know it, though? Orthon refused to be photographed, uh, but um, he asked Adamski for a, a photographic plate, and he imprinted these mysterious symbols on the plate, which later turned out to be a message. 
And Adamski turned all this rigmarole and all the meetings with Orthon into best-selling books and a very lucrative lecture uh, tour. Um, one of I think his his crowning achievement, in, at least in print, is Flying Saucers Have Landed. Um, supposedly, Orthon took um, Adamski around the solar system in his little flying saucer, and he saw the canals of Mars, and and he he saw you know Venus with all its its people and 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 creatures. And uh, Adamski claims that he was specially selected by the Nordic aliens to bring their message of peace to Earth, uh, but. The guy was a known charlatan. Um, investigate the man's history, as Jason is probably doing right now. Uh, judge for yourself. But the reason why I bring up old George is because he and his legacy are key elements in a story, the title story, from Junji Ito's newest anthology. It's called Venus in the Blind Spot. Now, this is two of my most favorite things colliding. This is peanut butter and chocolate for me, where you, <laughs> have, you have the horror of Junji Ito and the science fiction and paranormal of George Adamski smacked together. Um, so the, the, the title story, Venus in the Blind Spot, uh, features a Japanese ufology group. What? It, it, it's based in Nansan, Japan. Uh, was founded by a man named uh, Asao Shono, father of a beautiful daughter named Mariko. She's the Venus, right? So both father and daughter are extremely passionate about the subject of UFOs. When they weren't scanning the skies looking for them, they would hold meetings uh, at their house, in their living room. They would ask people to come, come to our house, and, and we'll talk about UFOs. And um, Mariko loved to talk about UFOs. And the men that attended the meetings loved to look at Mariko because she's gorgeous, right? So they, they founded, the father founded the, the Nanzan UFO Research Society. Um, and the, the meetings were attended exclusively by young men. So... Uh, Mar Mariko would sit there and talk about UFOs, and they'd all look at her, and they would they would take they would drink in every gesture that this this young lady would make. She'd brush her hair over her ear, and they'd be like, "Oh, like she had these guys spellbound," you know. And and Dad would serve a lot of wine at the meetings. After a while, it's like, okay. So I, I'm reading this, and I'm thinking, "Well, wait a minute, what does?" Uh, scientific inquiry and copious amounts of wine uh, have to, you would think they'd be counterproductive, right? Um, but the members of the, the society are head over heels in love with Mariko. Everything she says is the most wonderful, funniest, most beautiful thing. Um, Dad gets pissed off after a while. He's not having it. He's like, why the hell are we holding these these ufo meetings when all these guys want to do is look at you it's it's weird it's creepy it's not right i'm your dad no more society and mariko's like no 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 she pitches a fit right because she claims that the group is is her only reason to be living 
She's like, I love this. You you can't kill the group because in doing so, you'll kill me. He's like, oh, shit. So what do I do now, right? And then something strange begins to happen. Mariko begins to disappear. It's like, what do I mean by that? Well, the, the male members of the UFO group can't see Mariko. Like, they could see her from a distance. If she's on top of a building and she's looking up into the sky looking for UFOs, they can see, you know, they can kind of make it out that, oh, yeah, it's Mariko. Let's go talk to her. But the closer they get to her, the more she disappears. And if they're standing right next to her, they can't see her at all. It's nuts. All, all the, the only indication that she's in the same room with them is a disembodied voice. So what the hell is going on here? One of the members of the, the Nanzan society claims to have been abducted by aliens. He's like, I can't see Mariko anymore. And I got this scar in the back of my head, this weird scar. So I was abducted by aliens and they experimented on me. And that's why I can't see Mariko. And <laughs> the, the father's like, yeah, okay. Because the father knows what's going on. What he would do is he would ask one of the male members to come talk with he and his, his daughter. After the, the meeting, he'd get him drunk on the wine. Then he'd operate on him. He, he puts a, a microchip in their heads, in their brains, right, that would trigger. Mariko has these earrings, that were given to her by her mother, right? So the father put a, a transmitter. <laughs> he put a transmitter in the earrings that registers with the chip in the guy's heads. And the chip blocks stimulus going to their occipital lobe, the visual receptors in their occipital lobe that blocks them. So now they can't see Mariko. It's fucked up, right? It just doesn't make any sense at all. But I'm reading it thinking, all right, okay, I'll go with this. Let, let's see what happens here, right? So all these guys, they, they go blind around Mariko. They can't see her. She just disappears. And so uh, there's one male that, that gets in a little bit too close. And um, long story really short, Mariko's dad thinks he has all the bases covered. Uh, but the guys just can't take it anymore. They need their Mariko. And they go to the house. They kill the servant. And the father, God knows what happens to him. I don't even remember. Uh, and they all get their hands on Mariko. And it's very, very, very disturbing what happens. Like, they're so in love with this girl. Junji Ito doesn't say what happens. You can... You know, you can draw the line to the the obvious endpoint, but he shows her legs, her naked legs sticking out from the bottom of a bush. <laughs> I I shouldn't be laughing. <laughs> I really shouldn't. But the, this thing, like, I'm Junji Ito. Like, he makes he's on a wavelength that I don't understand. Like, we, say you're a creative individual, and and you said, okay, I'm going to write a story. Great. I'm going to write a story about a, a, UFO, a UFO society and the daughter disappears. Like, how does the germ of this idea make sense on any level? It doesn't. But when you pull back, it's, I think it's a commentary on the manipulation of women by the Japanese men. 
you can you can trace th- there is a history of abuse and manipulation and um a lot of other uh let's just say unsavory things that have been uh perpetrated on women by Japanese men and i think this story in a wacky crazy roundabout way illustrates the fact that um men tend to uh, are very overbearing with women and they they thrust their their desires and other things at women and ultimately uh, yeah that mm, just read the story uh, i think there's some subtext to it as with all ito there's there's it's an anthology right so there's there's not nuttiness going on here there's a story where large groups of people uh dead people are found stitched together with fishing line <laughs> there's there's a, a a chair that has um a living occupant uh, a, a woman goes around licking people with this giant pustulant tongue and they die they die after she licks them uh and it even gets meta there's a, a a story that's a little bit too real for me where um Junji Ito professes his love for the the uh work of uh, Kazuo Umezu, the guy that uh, did Drifting Classroom. And um, it's, yeah, it's pretty powerful stuff. Uh, there's, a lot, there's sections of the book that are in color. There's one panel of the, uh, the Venus in the Blind Spot that, oh, no, I shouldn't say that. There, there are two instances of color. There's one panel um, within the narrative, and then there's the very last page that's all color. That's uh, really strange. Um, I, yeah. But um, thought-provoking stuff, uh, icky, disturbing stuff. But uh, you know what you get when you buy that Junji Ito ticket, right? <laughs> Jason, you have this? I don't, no. This is, this is not something I have, so I need to get it. It was solicited after the two you, anthologies yeah. you talked about. Yeah, yeah. no, I don't know. I'd, I'll chalk it up to... Uh, missing sometimes i give short shrift to the manga section so yeah and it has a double-sided dust jacket if you care about such things you could flip mm. the dust jacket around whatever um but uh Once that, that gets dusty uh, so i i would really uh like to hear uh opinion on the story of venus in the blind spot because maybe i'm nuts maybe it's just all surface level but it seems to me to be a commentary on the manipulation of the female uh, in Japan. I don't know. Check it out. Now, in terms of ufologists, uh, would you have a favorite or two? Valet. Von Donneken. Yeah, well, Von Donneken's not really a ufologist. Uh, Valet. Valet was the inspiration for one of the characters in uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Jacques Valet? Yes. Still alive, by the way. Get out of here. What is he, like 100? He was born in 39. So he's uh, 80. He's 91? Jeez. No, uh, 81. 81. No, he's only 81. It's still old. Yeah. No, I like that. How about, uh, how about got... Monsignor Corrado Balducci? <laughs> how about him? I don't know. I'm mean, looking at the <laughs> list of ufologists here. I'm like, what are you looking at? A list of ufologists. I'm surprised so, Art Bell's not on your list, man. Well, Art Bell was not a ufologist. 
According to Wikipedia, he wasn't. Yeah, no. No. Yeah. No. How about, um, let's see. How about Alan Hendry? I'm not altogether uh, familiar with um, Alan's work. Full-time UFO investigator for the Center for UFO Studies in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. See, I've given you someone to uh, a rabbit hole to crawl down. Who? Somebody just sent me a, a, a text driving back from a Trump rally. Why the fuck Oof. would you send me this? Oof. The fuck's with you? How about Michael Swords? No, no, I, I don't know who that is either. I don't know where you're looking, but the, these are not the like the huge names. Biophysicist at Western Michigan University, prominent ufologist for the Center for UFO Studies. Looks like you're out of out of date with your ufology, son. Well, some, uh, some new bucks you need to check out. Uh, John Mack. Well, sure, John Mack. Yeah, Jaime Mossan. There's, I'm looking at this list. There's there's a lot of big names on here. Billy Donikins on here. Yeah, uh, Billy Meyer. Come on, Timothy Good. There's a huge bunch of huge names. You're picking like Nick Pope. You're picking names that that are like I have no idea what you're talking about. Not really, man. I'm just. I'm, I'm just <laughs> this list yeah. doesn't. It doesn't have ratings. It doesn't have like rankings of importance. It just has a list of prominent. Look, at, you got Stephen M. Greer on here. Uh, Fabio Zerpa. Freaking Bud Hopkins on here. Why are you picking these these third stringers? John Keel, <laughs> Bob Lazar. I, I don't know. I mean, come on, man. Yeah, see, George Norrie again. George Norrie is not a UFO. Oh, come on, Riley Martin. Whitley Strieber is on here. Oh wait, Riley Martin was a Howard Stern regular. That's hilarious. Yeah, well, Phil is Giorgio. Philip Corso. There's good names on here. I'm sure there are. Like Giorgio. My yeah, Giorgio Sulacos. Yeah, I'm not saying I'm not saying it's aliens, but it's aliens. I mean, Kevin Randall. Yep, Kevin Randall's great. Jaime Musan. Morris Jessup. Yeah, Jaime Musan is the. I think Jaime's from um, Mexico. Yeah, Ma- Mexican. He's known as the Mexican Art Bell, but I, I give Jaime a lot more credit than Art Bell. Uh, the shit happened toward the end of Art Bell's career that just exposed what a what a dirtbag he was. Why are we talking about this? Because you brought it up. I did like shit. I didn't bring up a list of ufologists. You brought up ufology. Oh, I did. Yeah, I did bring that yeah. up. Yeah, in yeah. relation to Junji Ito. No, you did not bring it up in relation to Junji Ito. You brought it up in relation to George Adamski. And you made the point that he was a that he was a hoax. So I'm like, okay, well, let's focus on the ones that aren't hoaxes. No, I brought up George Adamski because Adamski is a, a, a part of the seasoning in the Venus in uh, the Blind Spot. Right, right, right. But I'm saying yeah. you you brought up him, and then you made the point he's a hoax. So I'm like, oh well. Yeah, I mean, it's I nice. But you follow this, you think aren't hoaxes. It's nice that uh, Ito mentioned. Adamski, I mean, he didn't really have to. He just could have said UFOs and been done with it. But he he couched it in a little bit of historical data pertaining to mm-hmm. the the study of UFOs that I thought was was very uh, very welcome addition to the story. But it didn't really have to be there. Mm-hmm. Apparently, Tom DeLong of uh, Blink One Eighty Two fame is a ufologist. Mm, I don't. After retiring from Blink-182, he founded the Stars Academy of Arts and Sciences. 
which is all about the study of UFOs. How about this? Isn't it funny? Uh, they have a, a big list of, of purported ufologists, and they say, see also Werner von Braun. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Mr. V2. <sighs> all right. Well, so what do you want to do? Let's. We want to back out of the parking spot gracefully. Yeah, let's 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 do a nice K turn. All right. Hey, everybody. Thank you for being here and listening to our book of the month episode on Earth Two by Morrison, Quitely, and Martin. We hope you had a good time. Please check out um, the socials because we're on there all the time. And if you would be so kind, take a nice little quick look at our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. There's fun to be had there. Solicit our sponsor. If you don't like saving money on comics, then don't. But if you would like to buy more comics, stretch that budget farther than it has ever gone before. Go to dcbservice.com where you can get a hell of a lot more for your money, such as the Defenders Omnibus Volume 1, 50 bucks, Manhunter Goodman Simonson, Eight ninety nine, and maybe one of these days you'll see the Vampiris Carmilla uh, magazine number one from Warrant. Maybe, and if you do see it, you're going to pay three dollars fifty seven cents at DCBS. You want to do any of your travels? I got a quick one. Hell yeah! This is a little curiosity. Um, I'm not sure uh, of the legitimacy of this thing. Uh, this may be a gr- a gray market book, uh, but I got <laughs> no, well, I got it on Lulu, right? I don't know what that is, but okay. You don't know what Lulu? Lulu's print on demand, right? Oh no! I and didn't and you can you can upload your book, and you, people can buy it from Lulu, and they'll print it. Okay. So there's there's no there's no overhead. They just print mm-hmm. it, you know, when they need it. Um, this is called. It's from. Um. Wow. It's from www.minicomics.com. M-I-N-I-K-O-M-I-X. In fact, everything on this cover is a K. Classic Comics Kaiju Clash. Classic Colossal Creatures from the Golden Age of Comics. It was 10 bucks, right? Uh, it's by Jer Alford is the editor and publisher. What this little thing is, is a black and white reprint of predominantly Charlton comics. Sounds now, I, sketch, but go ahead. Yeah, I don't know who owns the rights to these Charlton comics, um, but I, and I could go through this uh, book. It's 100 pages of, mm-hmm. of black and white uh, stories. I can go through this book and trace... Every one of these um, stories, almost every one of them, to Charlton. Uh, in fact, they reprint two of Steve Ditko's Gorgo tales, but Gorgo is not called Gorgo. He's called Kegor, K-E-G-O-R. But it's Steve Ditko's Gorgo. Like, and and uh, Tom Sutton's in here. Uh, and the reason why I say... All, almost all of it can be traced back to uh, Charlton is because there's a Fantoma story in here. Ooh. Yeah, which um, is not Charlton. 
But uh, I don't know. Like I said, I, I can't vouch for the legitimacy of this thing. But uh, for my money, having having paid ten bucks for a hundred pages of of black and white Charlton reprints, I feel like I got my money's worth, right? And to make it even stranger, it doesn't look like they scan these from existing from printed comics. Like the the art is very clean, which means. They either have the original boards and and scan those, which I doubt, or somebody has an algorithm for removing or a plugin for removing the gray uh, on a black and white. Like I don't know where this art is coming from. Mm. It, it looks very clean, very well presented. Um, I I I I got nothing. Uh, if you would like to I- investigate this, go to lulu.com, L-U-L-U.com, and it's Classic Comics Kaiju Clash, all with Ks. Um, it's 10 bucks. Uh, I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. And there's not only one. This This Classic Comics have a lot of titles available on lulu.com. All are reprints. So, I'm no help at all. I just don't know what this is. <laughs> I don't know what it is. But in your travels. In your travels, go look at something that I don't know what it is that gave me a lot of enjoyment and it may be illegal. <laughs> I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. Hmm. Sorry. You think you stated our... Uh, uh, by yes, I'm. I'm not saying not I, I can. Comics were. <laughs> I, I'm not condoning getting, um, making money off the labors of others, especially if you have no legal claim to the the work. But it exists, and so how did you I, come across it? I'm curious. Like, how did you know it existed? I buy titles on Lulu all the time. Oh, okay, so you yeah, Lulu. yeah. There's oh. a there's a strong um, occult. Um, and paranormal um, series series of titles on that would explain why I haven't heard of it, but you have. Well, there's I mean, there's a lot of poetry. There's a lot of I mean, there's some cookbooks. Like there's everything, anything uh, you can buy. There's mu- there's music All books. All things that don't buy, but okay. But no, but basically, what it is, what Lulu is, it's it's aspiring aspiring writers who can't hook yes. up with major publishers, publish their things. I'm, I'm, it's like Create Space on Amazon. That's the same thing. Mm-hmm. I like the DIY aesthetic uh, very oh, much. No doubt you do. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, you can get a hundred-page book for ten bucks. Where are you going? You heard. Yep. So take it away. Take it away. What's about that? Uh, I got something that, um, thanks to uh, email and and finding out that. Uh, Oni Press slash Lineforge um, sent uh, some review PDFs. I figured I'd um, I'd give something a shot that I didn't that I know I saw in previews, but just um, didn't make the cut during that month. But this is uh, this is Volume One. This is a trade collecting the first five issues of a book called Backtrack. 
by Brian, I was going to say Jones, but it looks like it's Joins, J-O-I-N-E-S. Jake. Is doctor? No. <laughs> uh, Jake Elphick uh, and Doug Garbark are, um, are your creators. Uh, that's uh, written, illustrated by, and colored by. And um, I, I started reading it, and I really, I couldn't stop. It, it just, it's... It's a quick read, which is appropriate because it's all about. Uh, well, I don't want to say it's all about. It's the the gist is, um, it's it's a race. Everybody's it, it, mostly cars. There's one dude on a motorcycle, but it's it's a race, and everybody's in this race because they're promised something. And it's kind of like um, maybe. Uh, <sighs> The death race meets uh, devil's ad. It, it's just it's okay. So the main character, the one who we get attached to, uh, is Allie Levy, and she is somebody who um, has kind of skirted around the law. She she's a wheelman. She's 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 the best wheel wheel person. She is she's the best wheelman in the business, at least in the area, and she. Um, she was hired for a job. They were a man short. She got somebody that she knows to fill in. Uh, it's the white whale. It's this is the job that's going to make them let them walk away. Uh, and the job didn't go according to plan. So she is um, basically the guy comes across very Luciferish, but he uh, he's from the future and he is promising her something that she wants uh all she has to do is win this race and there are 10 other people in this race all searching racing for something that they want that will fill a void in their life whether it's it's a loved one that they lost whether it's 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 riches whatever it's their father's love what attracted me to this why i couldn't stop reading it is that the art I really, really like Elphick's art because it, it is it's it feels like it's constantly moving, which is fitting for something like this. It's 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 a story where where we're we're constantly moving. So so the, the work is very fluid. It, a part of it reminds me of uh, Stefano Caselli from from the Avengers: The Initiative Days, things like that. Okay. Um, but it 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 really just I I love the curves to it. There's like there's like no straight lines. Everything, even the cars, everything just looks like it's moving, and I love that. The colors are are, are great. What's cool though, is that because um, uh, Casper Quilex, he's the person who's promising everybody everything, uh, because he's from the future and he's he's uh, he's teched out everybody's cars. Um, he's like, all you got to do is drive to Dodger Stadium. It's 30 miles. Boom, you're done. First one there wins. They start driving. Lights start flashing. They're off the road in the jungle, and it's basically all of a sudden they get attacked by a dinosaur. And now the HUD pops up in everybody's car where the checkpoint is. And they all have to make it to the checkpoint while dodging around these dinosaurs. They get to the checkpoint, and then that's when we kind of find out that because Caster's from the future and the ability, the technology that's available to him, he's basically putting the racers, he's dropping them in different points in time. They, uh, they, 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 they race through, um, 
an area where like the the plague is infested the citizens and uh they end up in like 1970s germany and and it and and along the way of course they lose some of the racers and uh and i had no idea this was an ongoing because i just i looked earlier and and in the this the current not the previews that just came out but but you could order the ninth issue so so it's it's i don't know if it's if it's a limited series but it's still going on this collects the first five issues it ends on such a i i finished it and i was like motherfuck because i i gotta know it ended on such a great spot that that it, it it's really designed to to keep you reading every issue ends um with with a mostly full page spread that is seriously meant to hook you to 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 keep you dangling on and 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 keep you coming back for for the next issue but i really really i i super surprised i would absolutely this is the kind of book where i would i would love to stock up on this and give this to patrons i would i i think huh. this is something that's that that's that's just it's it's quirky it's not serious there there are some heavy moments you absolutely get to you you um you feel for some of the characters everybody because pretty much mostly everybody's human everybody's in it for a reason nobody's really um evil or mean people are maybe trying to make amends or or uh or or just um you know right some wrongs and uh so so nobody's really in it just for for the money they're they all have sincere reasons to want to be in this right want to win this race uh you do have a couple of characters that you know you're very glad to see written off uh if it happens and um there's there's one particular character she's basically she's 16 years old she has a driver and and she's very she basically wants daddy's love and 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 she's she's very demeaning and 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 bossy and uh it's it's everybody does her bidding and and i'm kind of can't wait for her to get kind of wiped off the map but it it's it's a really uh it's a good time it, it was a lot of fun i i think the creators are having a lot of fun telling this story i don't know how um you know it's like if somebody somebody reads this who who is a gearhead and and knows a lot about cars i don't know if the things that like the real world kind of things that happen with the cars or, or something that like if somebody draws a revolver and they actually see like a bullet cartridge eject, it's like, you know, that's bullshit. If, if, if you're a gun fanatic, but um, as far as moving, as far as telling a story and, and getting you entertained and, and involved and feeling something for the characters, I think, I, I think this ticks off all the boxes. I really, really like the art. Some of it reminds me of, of older indie style work um some of it definitely is is a more modern uh aesthetic art wise but yeah i i I dig all the characters i like the uh the chances that um that elfic takes with uh with some of the art as far as um perspective and and angles and and just the wide angle shots It, it it's a lot of it looks like it, it could be, um, they're not storyboards, but it definitely looks like it's something that could be filmed. It would probably, I mean, I think that, yeah, all right, there's a pull quote. Um, you know, Pat Oswalt says it's a brilliant idea for a series. And I don't think he only means just for a comic. I, I think this really could, um, pretty much be an entertaining live action kind of thing. But I, I, yeah, if, uh, any travels, if, if you come across any of the issues or find this, this trade, which I believe came out this week, uh, backtrack volume one. Awesome. Um, so in your travels, I want to tell people that if you've been 
lapsing or reluctant or just kind of like forgotten about Kickstarter, now would be a wonderful time to reconnect. Why? Because I'm going to tell you about not one, not two, not three, but four current projects that are near and dear to the EOC family. Atop the list, because it is a banner day, two-time EOC logo winner and thus Hall of Famer, frequent lifetime guest of our show, Mr. Jake Gonzo, who was just on earlier this year talking about the final issue of his amazing uh, creator-owned book, La Mano del Destino, as we've mentioned several times over the last month or so, has been doing a Kickstarter for his uh, collected edition. And uh, Jay went big here. He didn't He didn't just do a Kickstarter to make a trade paperback. No, no. He decided to do a 400-page bilingual flipbook. So you get 172-page La Mano del Destino 1 through 6 in English. You get a 172-page La Mano del Destino version in Spanish and then a bunch of awesome pinups and stuff. Well, um, as we're recording, uh, I'm very happy and thrilled for our brother that he uh, got successfully funded today with four days left in the campaign. So huge props to him. Um, but that means if you're listening to this, you likely have three more days, if you haven't done so, to jump on. And and if you've been a longtime listener, you know that we are all humongous fans of this work. We, we all couldn't couldn't recommend La Mano del Cino more. So I think... Um, you know, it's it's not been a book that's readily available. You've had to order it from Jay or see him at a con. So this is a great chance to get it for your shelf. And I know many of you have probably heard us talk about this book a lot over the years and have been curious. Well, now's your chance. So go check that out. Just go to Kickstarter. You can type in Jay Gonzo or Lomano Del Destino, and you will get to that. But let's not stop there because there are three other projects that we got to show some love to. Um, next up is Urban Animal Volume 1. Now, the name Urban Animal may found, sound familiar to you because it is – a amazing webcomic um, that has been crushing it on webtoons all around the world. Uh, it is written by Justin Jordan uh, and drawn by our good friend and longtime uh, listener, John uh, Ammer. And um, it's a great, great series. It's, it's essentially, um, you know, in essence, I mean, I talked about this when it was launched, but it's, it's kind of like a, like a teen wolf take, um, you know, slice of life with, with monsters and whatnot. Um, it's really well done. Like I said, they've been consistently putting it out and it's super duper popular as an online, as a web comic. But, uh, this is, I know a lot of you are reluctant to do the web comics. Admittedly, we are kind of reluctant to, we, we, there are a few that we all are loyal to, but we definitely don't read anywhere near as many as we probably should. So here's your chance to own their book. Their book was, I think, funded on the very first day. Um, but you still have 19 days to go. So if you just go on and look for urban animal, you will find, the collected edition, and it is well worth your time. Um, up next is a book which I don't know that we've talked about on the show, but I got to imagine that if Dap and Vince are not yet aware of it, once I mention it, they will be considering backing it. And that is Corridor Magazine. Yes. Issue number one. Yep. Um, Cor- Corridor is a new horror anthology magazine that is being put out and produced by Christian Sager and Dave Moore. Christian Sager is a indie writer and has collaborated with a bunch of our peoples over the years. Um, and the first issue of Corridor features a bunch of, of, of friends of the show. Uh, Karina Becco, uh, Marie Anger, Ray Fox, 
our man Dave Jordan. What's up? Brian Lee, Brian Level, Rafer Roberts, and last but certainly not least, Dave Wachter. And there's a bunch of other creators too, so I'm not trying to give them short shrift, but those are people that are near and dear to our hearts. And it's a uh, oversized 10 by 13, 96 page full color uh, magazine with both comics, illustration, and short and prose. Um, definitely a must buy, and they have they've done a really nice job with the uh, reward levels. You can get like prints and sketches of different the creators. It's it definitely like there's a lot of different ways you can support that project, and I think it's it's something I'd like to see um, flourish. And then uh, last but definitely not least, um, two peoples that are always some of our favorite to hang out with at the cons. Um, Mr. Sean Pryor and Miss Jenna Lynn Wright uh, are back with issue number two of their um, action-adventure comic, Ignition. Uh, issue number two is drawn by Kelly Guillory, who I don't know if, if, if there's any relation to Rob. Same last name. I'm not sure if it's mm. wife, sister. I, I could be totally unrelated. Don't know. Um, but either way, it's uh, they did a successful Kickstarter for their first issue of Ignition, and they're back with issue number two. Um, you know Sean is family. You know you know Jenna is family. Um, shout out to Carl Slominski. Uh, J- J- uh, Jenna is Carl's better half. Um, and this is basically it, it's a it, like I said, it's an action adventure comic. Um, it's basically the transporter with a female, a black female lead. This is the way to think about it. Like that's the elevator pitch. Um, so yeah, so there you go. So that one is the ignition. If you just type in ignition number two, you'll find it because they also they do have the the archive or ignition number one, but it, but either way, it should, it should be easy enough for you to find it. So, yeah. So EOC people, if you're looking for to support some creators, particularly indie creators trying to do their own thing outside of the uh, outside of the uh, the engine of, of of major comics commerce, like Vince threw out the Lulu. This is another way to do it, and um, and uh, and I guess on this one, we're, we're pretty sure they are legal. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there you yeah. go. So I'm looking through some of the. Uh, the offerings from this uh, this company, and yeah, I'm thinking th- th- there's there's a good chance that uh, a lot of it's not on the up and up because I'm seeing Warren, I'm seeing uh, Sarge Steele. I mean, there's a lot of public domain. There's you know Black Terror's public domain, hence yep. the fact that yeah. Dynamite uses it all the time. And, but um, there there there's a Marvel cover on one of their uh, books. A Tales of the Zombie oh, cover, right. like yeah. seriously, give me. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> oh well. And then let me just say that um, I'm not going to do. I'm not going to talk about them for inner travels, but I would call everyone's attention because I know I missed one of these, in spite of the fact that several of our peoples pointed it out. Apparently, but it's just you know sometimes you still miss things. Um, Panel Syndicate, um, two comics uh, worth your attention that I'll hopefully have some time to talk about when we do our next episode. Um, the first is Friday. Number two, we talked about Friday number one, mm-hmm. um, which was Ed Brubaker and Marcos Martin. And admittedly, we all loved it. I, I was very much looking forward to the second issue. Somehow I missed that they dropped the second issue, which I think was a few weeks back. And I know John O'Neill had brought it to our attention. and I had just missed him mentioning it. Um, so I did download that this week and read it and loved it. And then um, and, and the impetus for that was that um, we got a surprise drop, as Panel Syndicate is wont to do with a new series called The One You Feed, number one, which is a new book by Donny Cates and Dylan Burnett. Uh, I don't think I need to tell anyone who Donny Cates is. 
you might not be as familiar with Dylan, but Dylan has actually been in the mainstream comics biz for a few years. He was the lead uh, artist in not this current X-Force run, um, uh, but the prior, the X-Force that I guess was probably, I'm guessing it was 2018, early 2019. But uh, but that run when Domino had her own series as well, so they made her the leader of X-Force then. Dylan was the uh, the main uh, artist on that book, and uh, and I actually own a few pages from it. I think he's a great, great cartoonist. And this is a fantasy book. Uh, essentially, it's a, a future where, uh, for some reason, uh, the vast majority of the Earth's population turn into monsters when uh, the sun goes down. And so uh, humanity has adapted, and there's basically a city-state now where they have an artificial sun so that people don't ever change, and then everyone else outside of the city-state still turns into monsters. And we're about to see the coronation of a prince to become the new king, but he has a rite of passage first, which he must go out overnight and uh, and become a monster and and fight his way back to the to the city state. If he's successful, he will be coronated as the king. But will he be successful? Question mark. So um, yeah, I mean, super fun first issue, and uh, again, one of those things where I, I don't think there was any pre hype for it. It kind of just dropped, and now it's getting a lot of buzz this week. So and deservedly so, it was really good. So. Um, so check out Friday and the one you feed on panelsyndicate.com. All right, everybody. Hey, thank you for being here with us one more time. We hope you will return because we're coming back. In the meantime, say goodnight. Freddie's tired, so he's not going to join us this week. Aw. He's, he's just tired. David. Had not asleep in a bum. Wow. Freddie's busy. <laughs> Right. Go vote. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, I don't want to know you if you don't. David. Because David already did vote. And don't fall for the okie doke and put your ballot in a fugazi box no, that someone's no. trying to trick you. Either go to the this polling place go- and hand it in, yeah, or just exactly. go and stand online. But Right. At this no. point, you got three choices. You can go to the board, your board of elections and hand it in. Elections. Like you said, go to a approved balloting site or wait in line. Yeah, don't definitely don't put it in the mail at this point. That's, yeah. Unless you're gonna vote for Trump, then put it in the mail. Yeah, put it in the mail on the fourth. That's it for that one. <laughs>